But that someone is torn it apart And she's taken almost all that I've got But if you want I'll try to love again Baby I'll try to love again But I know Hey everyone, and welcome to the Real Deep Cuts podcast, where every episode will have a main review of a deep cut. From bargain bin cinema, to bottom shelf pleasantries, to foreign cult films, to 80s slasher trash. And eventually, we'll determine the cinematic or entertainment uh, value of these rare finds. Afterwards, we'll have a general film discussion of things regarding news, physical media, and things we watch throughout the week. My name is Raymond. And my name is Jeremy. And my name is Richard. I hope everyone is doing well today. It's Memorial Day, so happy Memorial Day. I uh, hope all, both of you guys are having both uh, good weeks. Uh, how about you, Rich? How you doing, man? I am doing great. Thank you for asking. Richard? <laughs> am I still low? Uh, Can you guys hear me? No, you yeah, sound fine. It, it, just, yeah. just a little delayed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, what the is there Is there a delay or is that just Ray? Like, I, is she just buffering? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was him lagging or if it was just, I don't know. All right, All right let's just move forward. <laughs> I'm trying yeah, my hardest. Is, Can you okay. guys hear me right now, like on time? We could hear yes. you, but it yes. was just like a long. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Ready? Uh, I am doing just fine. Thanks for asking. Right on, man. Right on. So today uh, we'll get into like Luxatorna. I know we watched that together. Uh, this is going to be our first episode. Uh, we're not doing a super deep cut today, unfortunately. Uh, this is going to be a limited release experimental film directed by Gaspar Noé, released in 2019. Uh, we got to see this together at Lamel Glendale, right? Um, I'm pretty sure. It was yeah. like a couple weeks back. Yeah. Lemley so. Theater, yeah. Also, oh, it's, worth, Theater. it's worth mentioning... <laughs> That this is spelled deliberately with an ash symbol, the A-E, Lux Eterna. Oh, yeah. Then, well, uh, yeah. I was going to say, why aren't we qualifying this as a deep cut? Well, I mean, it's not a deep it's cut. Not a, it's not a shallow cut, but it's yeah. certainly not a deep, deep cut. Because Gaspar, in a way, is a pretty well-known director. I think mm-hmm. for true deep cut standards, the fact that we saw this, we're able to see this in theaters. He's got a new movie yeah. coming out this year. It's got a few views on Letterboxd. I would say it's not that deep, but it's certainly not. It's limited release. So, I mean, yeah, it's a little okay. deep. I don't yeah. know. I, just, I thought it was kind of a, I thought it was a way of saying that we're going to cut deep into this like film discussion. I don't know. I guess I had this. <laughs> well, I mean, regardless, <laughs> it was an interesting film. For dude. Richard and for the listeners, a deep cut is like a, is like a rare find, a rare gem. It's, it's like, out of the norm it's not many people know about it it's either right. forgotten to time or just completely overlooked whether it's because it's foreign or because it's super niche or just you know low budget whatever um goodwill find bargain bin whatever it is so that mm-hmm. makes it a deep cut and there's good deep cuts and there's bad deep cuts so there's a lot of this, bad ones from what i'm assuming but yeah. <laughs> yeah but that makes the the hunt for treasure a lot more absolutely thrilling pretty ashamed um, to call myself a host now <laughs> well no you're like the, you're the common man like bruce the springsteen himself man. the common man that. the boss himself <laughs> man you speak for the people yeah <laughs> man exactly speak on behalf 
Yeah. The average I'm just well, another American. You know, MCU viewer. Well, I don't know. I've seen <laughs> no, a couple good films. True. That's <laughs> absolutely <laughs> lies. You love that's The Rock. You lie. love Tom Holland. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I'm huge into fucking Zendaya too. Have you seen Euphoria? Amazing. (laughs) Your thing or two about it. All right. Well, yeah. Regardless, regardless of the MCU, regardless of Tom Holland, and regardless of The Rock, we're talking about Lux Eternity today. So I just want to get your initial thoughts. Um, I'll start with Rich first because I want to see what he actually thought of it. It was like about 50 minutes, uh, give or take. Pretty short film. um, Very experimental, as we noted. But go ahead, Rich. Take on the stage. Let me know your initial thoughts, man. It was pretty harsh to watch uh, first off. <laughs> but uh, that's the it first didn't initial actually thought. start out that way. So, no, I guess I can't say that's my first initial thought. But when I think about, you know, this movie, yeah, there was a very, very painful mm-hmm. uh, third act, I guess. I don't know. I can't. Yeah. Are we supposed to kind of go into spoilers since we're talking? Are we kind of just giving? Should we get into spoilers? I'll just um, get general. I'll stay general. I mean, it's right. fifty right, minutes, so if it gets, I mean, yeah, starts start start a general, but like if if you want to talk about the ending, I don't. Yeah, you know, it's so short okay. that I feel like, and it doesn't really spoil a whole lot either. I feel like that's okay. true. Yeah, right. it's so convoluted too. So I mean, you know. Okay. Well, I don't know. I guess I could say that. Um, it's it it flowed pretty nicely i guess i would say um it didn't ever feel slow again it's a 50 minute film so mm-hmm. it moved pretty pretty steadily um but it did kind of get intense even you know before the the whole visual fuckery uh that came later but yeah it's kind of a movie set and just everything going wrong mm-hmm. and it just kind of feels like things are just kind of completely falling apart more and more right um, but I did, I did like it. It was, it was pretty chaotic for, you know, I don't know. It's not traditionally chaotic. It's not, there's no action. There's no, you know, big, I guess you would say, uh, there's no, I don't know. There's no big, like, you know, mind fucks or anything. There's no, you know, people getting over on each other. It's just kind of like, uh, this kind of time bomb almost. So, uh, yes, yeah, I kind of enjoyed it. I'll say that, especially, you know, to the part we all know, even that part started to grow. On me. Absolutely. Yeah. That was like a, that was a very, like you said, I guess, shocking, <laughs> traumatic experience, but we'll get into that later if we do end up uh, talking about some spoilers. But how about you, Jer? Initial thoughts on Lux Eterna? Uh, yeah. So I, I going into this, I already kind of knew what to expect uh, because I've seen a few of Gaspar Noe's films before. Uh, and I it kind of just seemed like there was going to be a big flashy color blaring moment mm-hmm. uh, in this movie. And he's known a lot for his like very like psychedelic, very disorienting style of filmmaking. So I was I was pretty prepared, um, but. Uh, knowing that it was short, I knew it was going to be pretty simple and straightforward. Yeah. Uh, but it started out really grounded. Like it's pretty much the majority of the movie is just a, a making of a movie. It's an on which there's a lot of movies like that. I tend to enjoy them uh, just kind of showing the process, how hectic it is and how there's all these different facets that are falling apart. People are at each other's throats. There's political and personal drama, you know, just stirring up in every corner 
and it's raising the tension, you know, kind of in a very like Safety Brothers esque way, where yeah. people are just talking over each other, and mm-hmm. it just is so chaotic. But it feels very real. It feels very like true to life in that yeah. sense, which which Gaspar Noé is also really good at. I think that's one thing that I like about him is he's able to tackle the very like otherworldly abstract type of filmmaking while also being able to create like very realistic and grounded and like this is a conversation I can actually see two people having. It doesn't even feel scripted. Right. Yeah. It's like the first 10 minutes start out like that, that conversation mm-hmm. between the actress and uh, uh, the two actresses. Rather. Um, I think the other one is uh, directing. She's, she's yeah. She's like a producer or something. Yeah. She's a producer. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, I really liked, I mean, that's really just the 80% of the movie is that going on. So as as a representation of filmmaking and all of that, I really I like that quite a bit. Um, I just find all of that pretty interesting. I agree. Um, hundred percent. His like little also quotes that he puts in there, uh, like John Luke Godard and Fassbender quotes. He's just Mm -hmm. kind of they're not as obvious because he's not using their last name, but it's pretty clear when you see John Luke. It's like, okay, like he's this is a movie that knows it's about movies and knows it's about filmmaking and. Gaspar himself is being a little bit meta referential with mm-hmm. his with his uh, style of filmmaking and and what he wants to do here. So certainly not his best work. Uh, for not that me, I've seen anything else. For me, I mean, you. well, that's the thing is like when I when I think of this movie in reference to all of his other works, I think this is like the least ambitious and probably has the least amount of depth and what mm. you know what he usually goes for. Uh, I still I do think it's really good. Like if I had seen this at a at a film festival, it would have been the best thing there. But that's because it's Gaspar Noé, who's like a heavyweight kind of working within the framework of a very like, uh, I would say, simple homework assignment. Like it's like, oh, just show people working on a set and then have this kind of cool spin toward the end. And, you know, 50 minutes, it does feel like a short film. It does feel like a film festival type of thing. So like, yeah, as as an experimental project. Um, I think it's a really, it's a success. I liked it, um, in that sense, but as, but when I think about his his films, like irreversible or climax, Mm. those are just tremendous films to me. And so I'm like, "Mm, this is, seems like a, like a neat little side thing, side project, you know, nothing too mind blowing because he's so, he's usually a lot more, uh, inventive and, and daring, and like right. he pushes the envelope probably more than any film working filmmaker right now. He really is unafraid to go into some dark, uncomfortable places. And I think this one is uncomfortable in the very like literal sense of assaulting your senses. I was going to say, yeah, I, I probably agree with that the most. He just did exactly what he but wanted. But I, I feel like in a way that's it. like, I, I, maybe that's his commentary. He's like, I'm going to make you uncomfortable, like by a literal, straightforward sensory assault, and not, and not in a way that's like thematically challenging or it's gruesome or yeah. I mean, he does blend. He does use some like visuals that are uncomfortable, very disorienting. Like his camera is always not in this one, but even you know. even the actual what is it? I remember the there's scenes where it's it's two cameras. I don't know what you call that split screen. Yeah. It's not split screen, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, I guess it's, it's like split, it's screen, like but split screen, but even that was yeah. a little hard to follow. I don't know how well that worked for me, um, but I don't know if he's done that in his other works, but 
I thought it was okay, but uh, I don't know. I, I did feel like I couldn't focus on both. I could obviously I could only look at one. It was hard to juggle. I think that's Even kind of two. the point too. Like any time that you feel uncomfortable or hard, you're finding it hard to follow. That that's what he's trying to go for. So like, if you can only focus on one side and you can't focus on the other, he's trying to generate that chaos of being on a film set. Like, there's no way you can tackle both things at once. And if you try to tackle both, you're going to lose your mind. And that's kind of what he's simulating, I feel like. So in, in that I very, like, it does add to the mm-hmm. chaos of it, too, because there is yeah. so much going on and you aren't supposed to you're supposed to be kind of looking back and forth. And uh, I don't know, kind of just, you know, keeping your head on a swivel almost. But it's I mm-hmm. guess that, that probably adds up. It's not supposed to be, you know, easy to follow. It's supposed to kind of, you know, throw you off a bit. So, yeah, I like I that kind of like simulated lot, stress, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's it, a pretty I, cool, I guess, you know, discussing trick. it, it works well more that way, but, um, but, but yeah. Yeah. My shit crashed. Yeah. We saw. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't even notice. Welcome back. You're back. I am. That out. <laughs> well, uh, what about you, Ray? Ray? What did you think? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, this is probably my, my first, movie by Gaspar in a way if I'm saying that correctly um it was only 50 minutes it felt like 50 minutes but I wouldn't say that's like a bad thing um going into it obviously I think I noted it was like 50 minutes long but I think especially the first 10 minutes where the two act or the actor and uh the producer were talking it was like so how do I say it was so captivating to me I really like the dialogue I didn't really exactly know what they were talking about, um, both of them. But then, you know, as it came, as the conversation was going, it felt very fluid. Uh, it felt very natural as well. So I really liked that. So the dialogue was really great in that first 10 minutes. And I didn't really know where the hell the film was going with the entire thing. Um, I didn't know they were in the set. Uh, but you see all the different... Uh, conversations that the actresses, producers, uh, I forget the the lead, the one of the, it was the producer, the crazy lady. So she had like the different um, relationships within the entire set. Some people liked her, some people didn't. Um, but it was an overall like really fun film to watch. Uh, one thing that I did note is the kind of out of body or kind of dreamlike sequences throughout the film, um, especially towards like the middle and the end, um, as we talked about. But it reminded me of like a Guy Madden film. I don't know if you guys seen anything from Guy Madden, um, like the Forbidden Room. That's no, not for me. I have no. heard of Forbidden Room. I haven't seen it. It's a beautiful film. It's very confusing, uh, very convoluted almost. But there's a solid story through it. And it's like a full feature film, like about like two hours in. I'm not sure, like maybe two hours, 15 minutes, two hours, 10 minutes, but it's a great film. And it's it's it gives me the same vibes uh, watching that film. But it was a really fun time for 50 minutes. I feel like I would have been proud if it was like a student film that I created. And it was an amazing film regardless. But mm-hmm. I didn't know what to think afterwards, but it was a fun watch. It was a really fun watch. And I would give it a, another watch again. But and to base it off of like strengths and weaknesses of this film. It's kind of hard, you know, you kind of go inside, uh, go into this movie, into this viewing, kind of realizing like it's going to be an experimental film. So how do you kind of uh, gauge that in a way? But I really don't think it's all that experimental, especially in reference to 
At least I, not I for him. It can be, I think <laughs> uh, I guess, yeah. There, for somebody who's probably seen his work the most out of the three of us, you, you're probably the most qualified to say that. I mean, it, it was a straight I would, I would, I would label it as experimental, yeah, especially would, just for the yeah. abuse that we suffered. Um, yeah, I mean, really the last, <laughs> we suffered. It's the last 15 minutes that are the most uh, experimental. But for the most part, it felt like a little bit like day for night or, you know, any yeah. sort of showing the chaos one, on set. The one thing movie. that I think you did note, which was great, was that it was building up like the Safdie brothers, not only the music, the music and the lights, too, but. I think the anxiety um, within that set. So like you said, yeah. it's like very realistic. Uh, that's how you would imagine the set would be in a very chaotic, um, you know, film production. It's very, I think from the sets that I've been on, it's very true to life. And, uh, yeah. and he's good at, you know, obviously it goes off the rails, but he's very good at uh, just creating naturalistic dialogue, whether it's mm -hmm. scripted or not. You can't really tell which is part of the illusion. Um, yeah. And Linklater is known for that too. Uh, Right. Yeah. No, but like that realism is what helps raise the anxiety and the chaos. Once the conflict starts coming from every angle all at once, it's just like, oh, like this is this is fucking real. You know, like this feels too, too uncomfortable um, right. because of how mm -hmm. real it is. Uh, but I love that stuff. And I think Gaspar is really good at that kind of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. um, but I always I, I just feel like, yeah, like it's hard for me to rate this and judge it because it is so short that like yeah. for the assignment, like create a 50 minute experimental film, uh, then that then it's a success. But um, in reference to everything else he's done, I'm like, this is like a this is like a heavyweight doing like a festival film, like a festival right, short. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what it felt like to me. So like mm -hmm. I'm maybe rating it lower because. I've seen other stuff, but like as far mm. as what it was, I really like it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know. I had no idea what I was in for. Um, did we want to just start talking about the ending? Because it seems like we're I mean, beating yeah. around I mean, the bush. Well, even we, then, we, we, could still, we could still kind of just openly talk about everything all together. Yeah. But as long as, as we're just talking about spoilers now, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. So since you had the most reactionary response, Rich, uh, what, what did you think of the ending? You can talk about it in full detail. Uh, well, as I was watching it, I was, I, I was telling you guys, I was kind of, you know, just holding back a little bit. I wasn't fully giving into the, uh, I guess the epileptic <laughs> inducing flashes <laughs> of colors. Uh, but you know, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it was painful, but you know, you kind of just, I don't know, at a certain point it just became numbing and I couldn't believe how long yeah. it was going on for. I was just like, it's really mm -hmm. not going to, doesn't feel like, you know, it's going to end anytime soon because it still hasn't. And after yeah. about, I don't even know how, got, how long it was, maybe 10, 15 minutes, but you know, it was just, again, I was just wondering well, how much longer <laughs> yeah. are they really going to keep pushing this? But, uh, and to just kind of end like that. Yeah. It's, it's uh it's 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 not something that I can say I've ever seen though. So um yeah. yeah, I do appreciate the fact that and as far as I've you know seen, it's never been done before. I don't know what other movies I could or you guys could compare it to, but yeah, maybe the fucking screen slaver from Incredibles two or something. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> I just I, it's I can't so say funny I've you mentioned that because like, so I was I wonder if I should recommend it or you know, you you'll yeah. never see a film like this, but I forgot all about um, that, that 
movie entirely, to be honest. <laughs> I did yeah. see it in theaters, but yeah, I remember which the one, The Incredibles, epileptic. two, two, yeah, specifically uh, two, not yeah. one. One is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, so I guess what we're referring to is like it's basically fifteen or so minutes, yeah, of just RGB overload, like strobing, nonstop sensory assault of the sound blaring and just this. It's very hypnotic. It's very just nonstop, relentless. Uh, and in the very beginning of the film, he has a quote about, you know, um, I, like he's envious of the the blissful moment of happiness right before right. Um, an epileptic is about to go into a fit, something like that. And so that being said, it's like he's preparing you for this moment in the end. And so that's why I was like really curious to see how I was going to, I didn't, I wasn't curious to see if I was going to have a seizure. Cause if I did have <laughs> epilepsy, I would have yeah. found out through this movie. This movie is the, yeah, absolutely. Is the test. Um, but I did, I kind of, I'm on the opposite side where I didn't find it that like painful. I was more, I was kind of taken by like, hip, I was more hypnotized. I was more pulled in and I found it alluring because of how unique it was. And like, I was like, yeah, this, like most Gaspar Noe films, it's like, how does this exist? How am I watching this right now mm -hmm. in a theater? No less, but like, this is crazy. And I want to know what's, what's happening. And there's things that he's doing where it's, it's not just the flashing strobing. He's doing other like overlay effects where he's making like the, the central like subject, which is the girl, she starts fading behind smoke. So it kind of simulates the, this feeling that you're going to pass out because like your yeah. vision starts to blur essentially of this thing that you've been focusing on. And then once you see it start to fade, it's like, Am I about to pass out? Like, am I about to go into a fit? Because it, you know, he's he's really pushing the envelope there. So I found it kind of fascinating. I I didn't find it too painful. I did find it like kind of jarring, of course, but I wasn't as like thrown off or I guess assaulted by it. I mean, but then again, I do kind of like to be assaulted. So maybe I was. Maybe I I did I did enjoy the pain, so mm. to speak. Nice, nice. I personally even just, the even the director just shouting at the end. Sorry to interrupt, right? But they, you know, it was just like oh a yeah, that one was, chaos. Yeah, that was like it's, adding to it's the It's just chaos. maybe like little things at first, mm -hmm. you know, because there's still. I think there was. I don't know. There's just kind of like a high pitch mm -hmm. going on, right? That's also what's happening. Yeah, yeah. As the strobes yeah. are it's going like on, the alarm. high pitch just yeah. kind of like flat, you know, just continuously mm -hmm. going with the strobes, and yeah, just I don't know. It's it's kind. It was kind of weird because at first I just. I assumed it was kind of getting dreamlike and things are just kind of, you know, it was like surreal at that yeah. point. And so when the director's still shouting like his commands, yeah. like every 30 seconds or whatever, it, it kind of reminded me that, Oh, this is actually still happening. <laughs> and yeah, everybody, I don't know. I, I mean, I, only the director's talking. So that's the only thing I was like, Oh, they're still actually on a movie set and this is still happening. Yeah. It's still happening. So. And it was like from an error or something like the, the video behind it just like would not work correctly. And mm -hmm. he just kept on rolling and he was going, but with I think that. that was like questionable whether or not it was an error, whether, whether it was, at least to me, I felt like it might've also been sab purposeful sabotage to get some some kind of desired effect. Hmm. That was the vibe I got. I could be wrong. I've also been really? a couple of weeks since we saw this. Yeah. Cause like he was saying, keep going. Yes. Yes. I don't know why I got that vibe, but it's experimental. I, you know, you can view it different ways. 
That's very I thought true. He just used it. Yeah, he just yeah. chose to record. I thought, I thought yeah. he just that, used it. Yeah, and I thought it was just it, part yeah. of the kind of what we talked about after the film. Um, or rather, if it wasn't conducted from him, it could have been conducted from something else because it did exactly, seem like there yeah. was. Uh, I was talking a lot about the paranormal and witchcraft, mm-hmm. and so I think. No matter what, I don't think it was completely random malfunction. I think there was something like demonic or a, yeah. just a, a paranormal going on with that. It was like a um, curse on the set or something. And it was a perfect peak to like the curse set or the doom yeah. set because mm-hmm. everything was already mm-hmm. falling apart. Everybody, yeah, everything was fucked up. Um, and they were talking about it, like we said, um, in the beginning of the film about witches and like just like weird roles that they played in before um, mm-hmm. during their acting careers. So... It was interesting. Yeah, it just was like that something built... they were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first like, ten minutes, they're yeah, talking the first about, ten like, minutes of like how yeah. they're basically witch oh, okay, high cast okay. as mm-hmm. witches, and they kind of yeah. like their okay, history. Okay, okay. I that. remember that part, but uh, I'm not even gonna lie. The 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 producer lady, she looks like a witch, man. I mean, she talks like oh a witch, Beatrice. Too. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's I, her I think real name. Though. So she's playing herself in the film, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. She just looks like disgruntled and just like all over the place. But she, uh, she talks yeah. about being typecast for probably yeah, for that like, reason. As a, yeah. Uh, Wait, so true. they're both actors? That producer lady was also she's. Oh yeah, she was she saying she was an actor. Yeah, she was an actor. She's just yeah. kind of the older, mm-hmm. more you know. Wisdom I guess they marry each other, yeah. yeah, in some way when they were younger and older, um, I suppose. But they're both witches, apparently, or at least we talked about that as a possibility. Yeah, they never really literally. They never really li- so like I guess with the whole witchcraft thing, which is a, a huge part of the movie, and never yeah. fully commits to yeah, it does you know like saying anything explicit. But I think if in a literal sense, um, you know, if we're dis- if we're to disregard the whole witchy paranormal thing going on, I think uh, since it's a mockumentary, it's like a meta commentary about how directors will torture their lead actresses for yeah. a desired effect and it's like the film set version of burning a witch alive mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a desired effect. You know I mean? Right. A lot of directors are known for that. Hitchcock, um, Kubrick, they've all been notorious for, but I also think that it's, it's no way himself being self-aware about his tendency to like torture his own audiences for a desired effect. Um, you know, cause when he aired this at the, at the film festival, I think he had like ambulances already parked outside just in case people had seizures. Do I think anybody had a seizure? No, but I think that's like either I'm sure people I, walked away. I think it was less him being prepared for the worst and more like making a statement like this movie's going to be so fucking crazy. You're going to it's going to make you pass out and you're going to have to, you know, go to the hospital like but because he's wanting to get he's wanting to accomplish this effect like that's who he is that's kind of how people have made jokes like Gaspar Noe tortures his audiences mm-hmm. and um you know makes them i think for better or worse like if, depending on if you like his work or not he makes them feel like they're writing the lines of insanity just like right on the cusp of the borders of reality and yeah. just slowly tearing down all the social constructs and forcing you to exist in a psychedelic delirium like that's all all of his movies are and um i think it's because not just because he wants you to be uncomfortable but because he wants to he wants you to find something there uh that only you can see that is unique to you and i think he's aware of that that's why like this movie doesn't explicitly say what it is it's just kind of i'm gonna thrust you into this and you figure it out from there so i don't know I, yeah. I, I dig that about him. Yeah. 100%. I'd love to see some more of his work. So I gotta, I gotta do some homework. Yeah. Same here, man. Like that, that goes the, for the every other thing, director. 
yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> the only thing I can really compare that to is like, like I said, like Guy Mad and stuff. But um, his stuff is like super experimental too. It, it kind of a little bit more compared to this movie because like the Forbidden Room, it's it's has the same dreamlike sequences, the same kind of like color palette as we saw when they were filming that scene where the video was in the back and they had like the fire. It was like a very dreamlike, very fiery. Um, orange, bright orange colors. Um, but for this film, um, one thing that we noted uh, was the, what was that last line in the end? Where it was like, thank God I'm an atheist or something? Yeah. Am I getting yeah. that? Yeah, that was like really, you know, it was funny. It shed some light on the end and obviously like what happened to, like literally in that ending scene. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I kind of just like lost my mind with those strobing lights. It was just like she was literally disappearing from the point of view. Yeah. And I just I had to put my head down. It's not that like I was getting headache or anything or I was like, dang, like this is way too much. But it was just more over like just like not necessarily I was over it either. It was just like, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, I was the, just confused at that I'm like point. the Fred in the van that's like, that's yeah. my fetish. <laughs> so, <laughs> so into that shit. This feels like I'm losing my mind. I fucking yeah. love it. Yeah, I was also low low key scared. I was like, "Am I gonna have like a seizure right now? You guys are just gonna like see me there, just like shiver." You'd be crazy not to be concerned for yourself. Yeah, um, honestly, if anybody I had, was ready for that, I'd down. be worried about yeah. them. Yeah. That Did you notice guy? the the old guy left? Yeah, yeah exactly. He, he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he just now. like took <laughs> off. <laughs> I even saw the trailer for this, and the trailer was exactly the ending. So I guess if you have seen the trailer, you would know what to expect. I didn't even look it up, but I mean, I, yeah. yeah. The trailer, it came on for when I saw Pleasure, but mm. I, I couldn't believe I was watching it. I was like, no way, this is the fucking trailer. Like, I'm wondering why it's getting like more theatrical release right now. I guess it's to promote his newest film, Vortex, but I'm just it just seems weird that they're showing trailers for it. I don't know. I guess Well, again, that was also, you know, it's... It's kind of like what you called it a boutique theater. Right, right, right. Um, they they play rescreenings or they have rescreenings almost every day of the week. Yeah. Um, they don't show it's and it's only a one screen theater. So so I think Got it. I guess it makes sense to just show mm. smaller stuff. Interesting, um, interesting. But uh but yeah, I was surprised that the trailer was so on the nose about what to or what the when the ending was. Mm-hmm. What the ending was like at least, but that's pretty cool though. I mean that that's yeah. yeah. I mean, it's 50 if minutes. I saw that trailer before I actually ever, you know, went to go see it, you know, I, pro- I would have been interested in it. So even mm-hmm. going blind, I was Would still, you guys you recommend know, this film, though? Would you? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I, I would recommend it. it to a certain. That's tough. Yeah. 100% would recommend it to the right person. All right. Yeah, people. to the right person, of course. Uh, <laughs> to the right person. Children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I might do it to the wrong person for you know, for fun, like to see. Oh like, my God. Yeah. Well, not, not anybody I know who's epileptic. Yeah. That would be, I would kind of call this a, I would still kind of clarify this as a short film. Yeah. Um, it's right on the mark. Yeah. Cause like yeah, usually I yeah. think short ranges from like one minute to like 45 minutes. Yeah. And this is like 50 minutes. So mm-hmm. I would, I would agree as well. It is more closer so, to a short film. I uh-huh. feel like you can recommend a short film. If you can't so get that, 50 minutes, you're full true, attention. Yeah. Can't get fifty yeah. minutes. It's it's really well made. Like it's in it's like an A plus film festival assignment. It is like yeah. short film assignment. I think mm-hmm. like specifically. But as far as in reference to like something like climax or even Enter the Void, which is like his furthest dive into psychedelia, mm-hmm. um, and has just so much more going on. 
with it. You know, it's really hard to give this. I guess I'm getting into ratings now. Good segue, but I'm giving this a 3.5. Hard okay. to give it um, a four because when I think of his other fours, it's just not quite there for me. But yeah, you know, pretty. Is it is it more grounded compared to the other two that you just mentioned, or? Uh, yes and no. In some sense. Yeah, like most of the film started off pretty most, grounded, right? Yeah, but in like something like Irreversible does take place okay, yeah. in our reality, except it is told in reverse. It's told mm. backwards, and it's very like disorienting. He's got his classic spinning camera. It doesn't yeah. feel straightforward, literally and figuratively. It just it's very out there. Um, but that one is like a reality, so to speak, and then even climax it takes all of his films do take place in a reality it's just it depends on how far he goes into psychedelia i see and simulating that kind Mm -hmm. of abstract space um yeah yeah but he's great i really liked it um yeah i feel bad to give it into 3.5 it's a really strong almost a four but it's not quite there um yeah i give it a solid 3.75 I mean, just because, like, I feel like oh, well, that's, I probably... I'll give it a 3.99 in that case. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there. Well, I mean, like, if if I watched it a couple more times, I think that I could catch a few things that I might have missed throughout the, like, you know, the first viewing. So it might be a four, realistically. I'm probably at a three and a half or a seven and a half. Uh, yeah. yeah, 375. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But yeah. It's I'm, up there. I'm pretty I mean, much it's there. great. It's like, you know, I mean, it's 50 minutes. So I'm sure there's, like, a lot of different things that I kind of missed throughout the film. Yeah. cool i'd yeah, even yeah. say the second half felt you know pretty grounded too not just the beginning even you know everything just falling apart on set it wasn't wacky it was kind of yeah oh like people were just finding you know more and more things to complain about or that they disagreed mm-hmm. with like what is it one of the witches i think she yeah she didn't like the fact that she had to go topless which seems like a normal kind of thing oh, on set. oh yeah not a normal actress- thing on set but yeah that just seems like a plausible thing to happen Mm -hmm. uh you know with somebody you know arguing about you know whatever goes into their contract things kind of fell apart naturally i'll say yeah forced and i will say that up until that part that we all know well the phone call too with the daughter getting like some fucking like boy at school or something like carving something on her her foo-foo whatever she calls it yeah but we all know what she's talking about yeah Mm -hmm. uh yeah, so I don't know. There's some little hints there that there's more going on under beneath the surface, but Absolutely, for the most part, yeah. pretty straightforward. Um, pretty good, good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Spooky film in some ways or another. A little creepy, but it was an enjoyable film to watch, and I, I'd watch it again, um, but in the right setting, obviously, because it's a lot to take in for the last 15 minutes of the film. But I feel like that's a quick, fun I, that's an easy rewatch for me. If, uh, yeah, it's an easy rewatch. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Well, do you guys uh, start well, I mean, We would say that? either it's redeemable or irredeemable, but I'm pretty sure we're all redeemable on this <laughs> on this Finnish <laughs> like student film. Yeah, <laughs> those are two options. Film, but it's, <laughs> we're, it we're literally like, yeah, we're literally like going to rewatch no way, it. like showing up to a student film fest and yeah, like just and just destroying dominating. the competition, yeah, just dominating everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you guys watch like anything else throughout the week or no? I'm sure, Jer, like I'm sure you probably. I'll would, let like, Richie start. <laughs> yeah, because there's probably like I'll 30 have you know, movies. Right before, right before this podcast, 
I watched. Um, now I got to think about it. <laughs> oh yeah, Blade Runner, the final cut. <laughs> oh, okay, I watched the final cut. Yeah, thanks to Ray. Mm-hmm. Thanks for handing me the 4K. Oh yeah, appreciate of course. That. But yeah, I watched the final cut for Blade Runner. Um, pretty sweet film. I don't know. Have you guys both seen that? I think. Yeah. I assume you saw mm-hmm. it. I know you've seen it, Jer. But I assumed that you saw it too, Ray, because you gave me the movie. Yeah, it's but beautiful. I'm finally uh, glad to say that I've seen that. Uh, Did you love it or no? I did crazy sci-fi shit. And there's a lot more that's, I could see why there's multiple cuts and Mm -hmm. I could see why there's, uh, I remember when you were showing me 2049, Jared, that you were telling me that there's short, I think you showed me a short film. You made me watch a short film really quick to kind of brush up on it. It's called uh, 20 black, uh, 20 something blackout blade runner. Yeah. Yeah. To kind of just give me a, a little in between, I think it's it, that's what happens between 2019 and 2049, right? Yeah, it actually does a good job of explaining the events that happened before the sequel. Yeah. And another great reason to watch it is that it's directed by uh, Watanabe, who directed Cowboy Bebop, mm-hmm. which is okay. very Blade Runner inspired in itself. So it's a, it's a really awesome project. Like for a 15 minute short, it's uh that's what that's what really I got sweet. from uh watching it there was you know the the space blues or whatever the space jazz you want to call it mm-hmm. kind of sprinkled it's in there blade out, blackout or blade runner blackout 2022 that's yeah, when i looked it up holy shit there was fucking it's our year man yeah there was fucking uh there was just a bunch of cuts for it um, so the blackout's supposed to happen and there's a bunch of shorts too so i don't yeah. really know which if i should watch the original theatrical but I just went with the final cut. I haven't cut. seen anything besides the final cut. I've heard that yeah. it's the best one uh, to watch. And I know that one of them has the theatrical has like narration, Harrison Ford narration, which a lot of people have trashed, which when I imagine it sounds like yeah. cheesy. So I've just watched. I've only grown up. I've only grown up with the final shot cut. The girl running away. Yeah. I watched her body in <laughs> a glass window. It's like a, no, it's like like a, a classical. You didn't tell me film. I was a Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have actually seen the, I think one of the endings, like the alternative endings. And like, are there alternate endings? Oh, yeah, yeah there yeah, are yeah. different endings. Because yeah, yeah, there's um, one where. What the hell? Now I got to well, check out the other one that makes cuts. it more definitive that he is not a replicant right, and there's yeah. one that makes it more definitive or more as you say ambiguous that he could is this be- like a deleted scene alternate ending mm, or is I this like an alternate so. ending for a certain cut i think it's every cut has its own uh, ending okay. oh mm-hmm. old strategy cotton all right yeah um i that's also man i could re- i could see why people are crazy fucking for this movie because it's a hell of a movie there's yeah. a lot to there's a lot of stuff going underneath and i could see how there's a lot of lore to be made from it mm-hmm. um other shorts yeah uh, and yeah there's that question is he a replicant or not i think that motherfucker's a replicant hey. i haven't done all the research but i'm gonna go i do too and some some people say that it makes the story better that he's not a replicant. I does. disagree. It's, it's I kind mean, of I like think... the sixth sense you, when you find out, you know, Bruce Willis is actually a dead guy the whole time. <laughs> well, I get it from the point of like, he's as a man is learning that uh, being a replicant is, you know, the same thing as life. There's no delineation between being yeah. a replicant and being a human. Like life, he, life is precious no matter yeah. what. And so by making him a replicant, that's just makes him more biased. Like, yeah, being mm-hmm. a replicant, obviously important and, and worthy, but, 
him being a human, he kind of go over, he goes to this arc of realization, like, wow, like replicants are people too. So I guess you can look at it either way. Yeah. But, um, I love, I agree, I agree with that. Yeah. The first one is incredible, especially it for is, the yeah. world building. Uh, and just, I mean, there was no cyberpunk before that movie. Like really like Basically, in that, yeah. in that scope, cyberpunk didn't exist. There wasn't. And, and, but I do think, Hot take or not so hot take, depending. I don't know what people say mm-hmm. these days, but I think the sequel is better than the first. Whoa. And that is a hot take, I would say, because I think it's hot. I think the first movie, I don't know, maybe it's just nostalgia or a we get into feel. it when when Richie watches the part two, he can yeah. he can tell me what he thinks. I've I only think, seen the first half because I, I can't I really <laughs> and he fell asleep. So it's already not looking oh, good for me, God, but yeah. uh, I still think. Yeah, no, I think part two is a better film. I think a lot of people say this and that's why, you know, I don't know if it's such a hot take anymore, but I get it. Mm. Like there's still going to be ride or dies for the original. Yeah, and I, get I would it. imagine. Like, yeah, that's, that's the only reason. I mean, or the biggest reason I think, I think part two expands on the universe in such creative ways. It, it does, really yeah. it does what a great sequel should do, which is like take the world and the framework of the original and just expand on it in mm-hmm go in every possible direction you can and, and also tell a great story at the core. And I think the main story of two is, is stronger than the main story in one. I think so And I too. think some yeah. of the main questions that are brought up in two, like the philosophical, you know, all, all of that stuff is way more interesting in part two. I think part mm. two is just, it's more fluid. I would say looking. I mean, yeah, I love, it's one of my favorite, just all time favorites. Blade Runner is too, but like part two really, I will say this is I'm not trying to rub this in, but when I was watching Maverick, I was thinking about Blade Runner 2049 and how, wow, this is like another sequel that like is, I think, easily handily surpasses the original. Mm -hmm. Mm. We can get into that when we review. Easily (laughs) surpasses. Damn, that's kind of tough. Do you believe or are you kind of in the same? uh, Like in terms of 2049 over the original? Yes. Mm, no, just because of Roy Batty's like last um, monologue and what he said. That is and the, kind by of, far the best moment of the that original thing. Like, I don't know. I remember seeing that for the first time and I was like, damn, I don't know. I don't understand what he said necessarily, what he means by that. And then I rewatched it years later and I was like, holy hell, this guy's a genius. Also, and it, it was just like and rest so in beautiful. Peace oh, yeah. Angelus, who. Yeah, who, can, who composed that beautiful score over yeah, that he speech? He just died what, like a couple weeks back? How many yep. weeks? Or yeah, um, R.I.P. to a king. Dang, um, that's a bummer. Didn't know yeah. that. I'm glad I got to see it. And Blade Runner score, and then there's tribute. even a track yeah. in Blade Runner 2049 score that's called um, "Tears in the Rain," which yeah. is so it's like that, and I think it's a similar, basically the same mm-hmm. uh, composition as as the original one. But it's so, so yeah. beautiful. You just can't beat that. I don't to think. Me, no, least. I don't think twenty forty nine handily surpasses the original, but I, okay. I do think okay. Maverick yeah. handily surpasses. Well, yeah, Top I just Gun. saw Top Gun the other day, and I just felt like I was physically, mentally, and emotionally just sick watching that film. I <laughs> <Why>? just, I just, <laughs> oh, I don't Jesus. know what the hell was going on. Like you were sick of the film, like watching it, things play out, and just. <laughs> I just felt like I was like melting. An overdose <laughs> of the eighties. Yeah, overdose of the eighties. <laughs> it was like not just. It wasn't even just cheesy. I think I couldn't even call it cheesy, but it was like 
It's unapologetic is what it's it is. It's unapologetic. <laughs> it was a little weird. I, I thought like it was going to be like, you know, a really good balance of the 80s with the karate kid kind of feel. But no, it's actually pretty. Uh, It's top gun of the 80s. Like literally it's like top notch 80s. The songs are like, <laughs> what is that song? Uh, Take My Breath Away. That song played <laughs> over and <laughs> over again in scenes that I felt like this did not need that song. They played the like they played um the Kenny Loggins song over and over for the first thirty minutes just nonstop and then when he met um what's Kelly McGillis's uh character's name uh Charlie or something like that ever since he met her that song Take My Breath Away just would not nonstop just play throughout the entire film but overall it was enjoyable I would say it felt like an hour and fifty fucking minutes I will say that. <laughs> that's what it felt like i was like what the hell is going on and it felt like the the film was not moving in a very fluid way i kind of felt like what is tom cruise i understand that it does drag a bit you know what i mean richie's got to speak up for top gun because i don't want to just dogpile this movie no 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 no. even i'll admit that it drags and it just kind of goes in needless scenes there's no I, I don't really believe there was any need for the beach scene yeah where they're just playing montage volleyball and they were lotioned Levi's. up dude <laughs> lotioned up sexy ass but, like, I don't know. it's it's just you know i might have been dissociating eroticism at its finest <laughs> 80s were full of it fucking what is it uh point breaks full of it that whole you know it's just kind of yeah. this competitive you know nature of you know men that you know work in the same field i guess or have the same interests it feels like hogwarts for like closeted military bros basically yeah that's what what like quentin like talked about and you know what i actually saw that clip where he was just talking about like yeah it's like about a guy basically you know coming into terms or kind of trying to come into terms with his homosexuality and that's his character i don't know about that you can you can make an argument for it exactly that's like i saw that that clip of Quentin talking about it before I watched Top Gun a couple of days ago. And I haven't seen Top Gun since I was a kid. So it was pretty fresh watching this basically. So, and I don't think that's a far fetched. Well, like, it's quote certainly to say. like, well, I was going to say, wait, hold case. on. Jared, what was your like kind of gripe with Top Gun? Where did you, is it <laughs> the fucking, was it the serenading mean, scene? <laughs> what really? Just, <laughs> that was weird, man. That was weird. I don't know what the hell was going on. I I don't know. To to me, there's just like not a lot there for me to grab onto. Like with the characters and the story, yeah. it all feels really in- inconsequential to me. Like I don't, I don't, I couldn't latch onto anything like emotionally or like, oh, I really like this character or anything like mm-hmm. that. It it all just seemed like kind of just like playful fun. So I took it as that. Uh, so, but some of the stuff drags, like Ray said, and it's a little dull. And I do like the action stuff. Although I will say, like, I can see how that was mind blowing in the 80s. But I found a lot of the action sequences to be a little like disorienting. It, like I didn't. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, well, a lot of it does. What do they even particularly do? work well? I mean, yeah, now, you won't yeah, know. yeah. I'm like, what are they? What are they doing here exactly? Like, uh, yeah, like it. And I will say, like that. That's one of the ways that the sequel like modernizes it. it, it it's mm. night and day for me. Like looking at the original, I'm like, okay, that that's how, that's how they, that's what they were able to do in the eighties. Like to, in terms of dog fights and things like that. So, um, I mean, it's cool. It's fun. It's just, you know, it's yeah. very like middle of the road for me. 
So yeah. I, I don't, I'm not, I don't hate it. I liked it. I gave it three stars, but like, uh, it is what it is. Like I'm, I wasn't too taken with it in any particular way. Yeah. It's I certainly agree. not Tom Cruise's best. I think it's weird that it does get a lot of praise. I, I like Top Gun, but it's definitely not, you know, my top 80s action flick. It's not even close. So what were you so yeah. excited about with the sequel then? The sequel, that it just, in comparison, I already knew that the fact that they could just strap GoPros to the fucking wings of, you know, F-18s or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're that, looking, yeah, you're looking yeah. into the... <laughs> crazy, like, yeah. I just knew. And even seeing Tom Cruise's last uh, film, which was... Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah. I, you know, no, that guy just loves to push action in a really good way. Uh, the story I might agree. always be kind of not flat, but it'll just be average. It won't be anything mm-hmm. special. But the guy really does know how to fucking, you know, please an audience when it comes to just, you know, unbelievable action or unbelievable stunts. And the fact that that guy puts himself in the middle, Tom Cruise will always have, you know, my my fucking hat tip, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He really does have a huge passion for making these movies. He doesn't expect he them does, to win yeah. any, you know, amazing awards. Now, you know, I feel like the guy mm-hmm. did his his Oscar performances, you know, in his mm-hmm. previous works. But yeah, the guy just likes having fun and you know, blowing people's minds with never before seen fucking shit, man. All right, that's why. So get hey, that. Man, I, I agree. think it's because he genuinely believes he can save the world with cinema. I think that guy actually uh, yeah. does believe that he's <laughs> a fucking action star. That is you know? also true. It's, I mean, that look, if Scientology can shit. make me do what he does in Top Gun, then, <laughs> you know, they make it's a strong argument to sign up. But you can't uh, tell me the trailer didn't have you really interested I'm, in dude, you know, I'm what not was... going to lie. I don't wait. Well, no, I did see the trailer. Never mind. But yeah, I mean, I, I was uh, I was curious. I was curious for sure. That's why I went to go see it, and I saw it based on your like your enthusiasm. Horniness. Yeah, I was like, okay, like me, I think this is going to be something we're seeing, like good action in the aerial aerial cinematography and all that. Like, um, but I don't. I, I'm holding back right now. I can't say too much. <laughs> so Ray, you got to like change well, the subject. Or I'm just going to start gushing about Maverick. We know now, Rich. When we watch it on Thursday, we have we're in for a treat. You, me, yeah. So it's gonna be awesome, regardless. Uh, so that's gonna be fun. And the only reason why I bought the tickets for the next week, Jared, is just because all those IMAX seatings were just oh, okay. the only that seats left sense. were just pretty shitty, off to the left or whatever you want to, you know, any any bad yeah. seat. And I was trying to find three seats altogether, so that was mm. just the next, oh, I see. you know, yeah. available day that you know would work for me tuesdays or thursday but yeah so his highest grossing movie of his entire career which makes no sense to me like that's that's the facts this is his highest grossing already uh opening weekend highest grossing opening weekend of all time of his whole career trying to think what else like i mean he's been in so many blockbusters that's like what and we're in like probably the one of the shittiest states of cinema and he uh, had a that, that guy knew when numbers. to make it. He knew he didn't want to just sell out and make a sequel for fucking the bag. So um I do I think he's that guy, that kind guy of shit, but like work. I think that batshit craziness works in his favor with these kinds of movies. It can be channeled. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it like can be directed. This movie, I don't think you could make this without being batshit insane. <laughs> so like perfect. You know? <laughs> it's perfect. Um, but what else? What did you see, Jared? Let's go. Let's go on to what you've that's, seen. That's lately. all you watched this week, Rich. 
We oh, can go in um, rotation. I mean, oh, yeah, right. Well, what else have you seen? Sorry. I what did Ray watch? watch? One on the top oh, I, I did watch Top Gun, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, as usual. Uh, Dracula, um, 1992 one. Um, did you watch that because of Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Yeah, honestly, I did. I'm not going to okay. lie. Because, like, I saw. I'm actually curious. I was actually asking. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and obviously, I was joking and memeing about, you know, Dracula and shit. And then ended up watching Dracula, 1992, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Francis oh, Ford. Coppola's? Yeah, Coppola's, and it was beautiful as usual. It's pretty over the top. But Do you like that movie? You love that? Like, you genuinely love that movie? I don't know if I love it, but I genuinely like rewatching it. I love <laughs> how I, it. How that I means re-watch. you love it. That means you love well, it. I rewatched Forgetting it. Sarah Marshall. I wouldn't say is it's that one the, of my Is that the one with films? Gary Oldman, where he yeah, looks like a Star yeah. Wars character? Yeah, yeah. I love Coppola's Dracula. I think that movie gets so much shit, and yeah. I don't understand. Like, not every movie is going to be The Godfather. That's okay. And like this, the movie is not bad in what it attempts to do. Like I think turning Dracula into this big, like operatic over the top gaudy, like just, it feels like you're watching a opera come to life on screen. So everything's insane and uh, larger than life. And Mm -hmm. it's as far as, but taking it to like a cinematic level, like the effects and all the visuals, it's just insane. It's colorful fun. And it's, I love Hopkins Van Helsing. I think people yeah. shit on him too for that. I love his Van Helsing. I think really? I didn't know that. I thought really he was great. Fun. Yeah, that was yeah, funny. I think, I think everyone is great except for Keanu Reeves and Renata Ryder. But and that's an, that's I like are... Keanu Reeves too. <laughs> Man, I, I, he's, he's very he's, Keanu. He's serviceable at best. I won't I oh, won't go down that hill. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Wait, this is Van Helsing we're talking about now, or not? Yeah, no, this well, is this is the same movie. But... He plays. Oh, wait, okay, he plays. What's the name of his character? Uh, John Harker. Yeah, yeah, the main he character, John basically. Harker. Of like, okay. the I love Keanu, but like I and I, you know, I can defend his acting in the Matrix, not so much here, but it's okay because the rest of the movie is great, and he's yeah. not in it that much. Winona a- Ryder is like fine; she's just a little mi- miscast. Uh, I feel like, mm. but she's fine. But you know, Keanu is a little bit. I don't know. This is the one criticism that I can like not really defend. Like I'll defend yeah. everything else about the movie, but mm-hmm. I, I do love Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, Gary Oldman. Is it Stroker man. or Stoker? I always want to say Stoker. Stoker. <laughs> okay, Stoker. yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Bram Stoker Wait, is, is Gary for the Oldman not corner. Dracula in this movie. He is Dracula. Is oh. Gary Oldman is Wait, Dracula. Uh, who's the guy you just mentioned? Is that the director? That's Bram, Bram Stoker. Stoker. Is, yes, Stoker. <laughs> I said Stroke. <laughs> yeah, he wrote the original like Dracula. Fucking tongue twister. Yeah, he wrote the original wrote the Dracula. So this is like oh, okay. apparently the truest. I don't know. If, I mean, I heard that Adaptation. it's not necessarily. Yeah, it's not necessarily the truest to the the book either, but it's it's close to it. And I've read the book actually, and I think it's like. You know, a very outdated book, obviously, and I think <laughs> it drags, but it's pretty close. I think it's a close adaptation to the film, um, or the film does that well. Um, okay. Yeah, but it was fun. It's a fun watch. It's a little lengthy, about two hours and 10, 15 again. That sounds fair. Really fun movie. Um, over the top. That's why I kind of like it. Um, but it's one of those movies that I can bear watching, even if it's demonic. So, okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun watch, man. How about you, Jer? Any movies, man? You probably well, have like 30 movies on your list. I'm assuming. Close, 27. 
match for being exact. Uh, but that's only that's only in between now and Lux Eterna, which was about like yeah, that's, that's the fair last time you recorded. Yeah. Well, that's like two weeks. Um, yeah, but I guess I'll just start. Like the most recent thing I watched right before this was uh, I've been on a Cronenberg mm-hmm. binge mm-hmm. marathon, uh, trying to get ready for Crimes of the Future, and uh, I watched The Dead Zone. Mm. Uh, it's a Stephen King novel adaptation uh, starring Christopher Walken, and uh, it's very. It's like a combination of The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, but it feels like a Stephen King adaptation more than a Cronenberg movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't really, it's very tame for Cronenberg. Okay. Um, it, it's good, but like, there's That's nothing kind of yeah. grotesquely, uh, you know, like he doesn't have his visceral imagery or any of that gross uh, gore that I love. Yeah. Uh, it's very tame in that regard. It really feels more girl. like just a Stephen King adaptation movie. Um, but Christopher Walken is great. I mean, essentially the story is Christopher Walken. He, you know, gets in this accident and he wakes up in a hospital bed. He's been in a coma for five years mm-hmm. and, um, and he, you know, he, he realizes like his whole life has passed him by and his girlfriend has moved on and he's devastated and he, you know, talks to her and she's like, wow, like, You've lost so much weight. And he's like, yeah, it's called a coma diet. And you know, <laughs> she's just like, she's just like, uh, oh my God. you know, oh my God, like, I'm so sorry, but I got a new man now. And then he starts yeah. to realize that he has a, uh, he has a new ability when he touches people, he sees th- like a, the past or the future, like a vision of mm. something they did or something that's going to happen. So that's where it kind of, it's very unbreakable, like instead of bumping shoulders, but he's also like in the sixth sense kind of way, trying to solve these crimes and stuff. And yeah, you just like, you know, he's like for five long years, I hid this uncomfortable (laughs) hunk of metal up my ass and I got psychic powers. So it's just like, uh, pretty good, pretty good movie. Uh, not his best, but Chris Cronenberg is great, huh? Cronenberg, Cronenberg, yeah, not Cronenberg's, not my favorite, yeah. but Walken is great, and he basically, um, you know, good old, good old classic Walken, and um, yeah, I mean, nothing much else to say. If you like Six Sense or Unbreakable, you'll probably like this movie. That's pretty cool. They're just warming up for what is this? Uh, the Crimes of Grindelwald? Or what was it called? Well, the Crimes of the Future. Repeat that again. You lock. You lagged out a little bit. Yeah, you lagged uh, no, out. This, this is for the Crimes of the Future. You're talking about, right? The the trailer with the guy that has ears all over his face. Yeah, yeah. Is that mm. what? That's Cronenberg's that yeah. first movie in like seven years. Whoa. Uh, so is a hiatus. Been a bit of a hiatus. He's getting old. It might be his last. His son's making movies now. He uh-huh. his son did Possessor, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm really oh, excited. I, I wanted to watch that. I wanted to uh, watch Possessor. I haven't watched it yet, though. I saw you watched. Well, we'll get into that when we when we go around to your turn. Let's go move on to Rich. Uh, you what I've watched, yeah, yeah. The, the, mo- yeah. the most recent one before Blade Runner was uh, was Pleasure. And oh yeah, I know you guys haven't gotten around to seeing it yet, but we don't want to watch it, man. 
Mm-hmm. It looks awesome. It uh, looks awesome. It's pretty good. Yeah. I, I don't watch porn anymore. That movie changed my mind. Very personal you know, confession. General yeah. takeaways though. It's, it's really, really uncomfortable. Uh, there's a lot of very disturbing scenes. I'm sure you could guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Um, so it's, it's like Boogie also, Nights. It's a little bit more disturbing than Boogie Nights. It's quite the opposite. Boogie Nights, it's a fun time. It's like you the know, first half of Boogie it shows, Nights. Basically. It shows the fun of, mm-hmm. no, not even, it shows like the fun <laughs> of being on a porn set and, mm-hmm. you know, the montages and 70s porn was, you know, there was no, you know, extreme oh, wow. genres. I don't even know if there was hardcore porn in the 70s, but, you know, it definitely didn't show that in Boogie Nights. So different impression. It made fun porn look fun, but this one. You know, it kind of shows how things for especially female porn stars uh, can, I see, I see. you know, start to feel really uncomfortable really fast. And it's it does study kind of, you know, an internal conflict between it's this what, you know, mm-hmm. the main character really wants to do is this really what she wants. And yeah, the trailer kind of comes off a little bit different. It kind of makes her. Well, I don't want to give away too much anyways, but, you know, I would not. I recommend don't know. I, I saw the trailer. Anybody, I thought um, like or yeah, I was going to but. Really? Good. Oh, yeah. No, I was just saying, like, I felt like when I watched that trailer, I felt like there was going to be very sleazy ass shit. Like, and and I felt like it was going to shed light on the porn industry and the actresses in that um in that industry. So, I don't know. I I kind of had like a different take on that in the the trailer. Yeah, it looked like she wanted to. The, yeah. I don't yeah. know the ins and outs of the porn industry, but you know, if somebody told me that this is accurate, I'd probably believe them. Um. But it's yeah. definitely worth checking yeah. out. Again, I would mm. not recommend this. Everybody it would just be. I'm oh, yeah, I'm sure. To, you know, anybody's <laughs> mom sure. or something. Like <laughs> but uh, and I think it's 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 a quick watch. It doesn't feel too lengthy at all. And um, how long was it? Also, you really know, grounded. Uh, it couldn't have been more than two hours. Um, hour forty five, maybe. It had. Yeah, I don't think it yeah. was more than two hours. If it had to be less for sure, but. I need to give it a watch. Um, pretty good performance. And that's the that's the girl's first that's her debut performance as an actress, the main, the main girl. She's some Swedish girl, but yeah. Um that's cool. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I really liked it a lot. So I recommend it to you guys. Yeah. Um for sure. Cool. I know you guys will see it soon. Yeah, I'm probably yeah, I'll cool. try to watch it. I'll try to watch it. Well, I mean, considering that anybody else see anything? Yeah. Um I did watch the fly. I did watch The Fly, but um, yes, that was an interesting watch. Um, I wasn't yes. taken away from it from the very first minute, but I think Jeff Goldblum is fucking phenomenal. Yes, as, he is. Um, as a, what's his name? Seth Brundle. Amazing. Mm-hmm. He does a great job. I mean, I didn't get it at first. And then, you know, when things started to kind of happen throughout the film, that's when I was like, holy shit. I mean, it's pretty... It has some depth to it like you can't just say that it's like you know it's just like a grotesque kind of horror flick type of movie but it's it's um it was a fun watch um a little insane here and there but i kind of expected that especially from what you've told me about cronenberg uh Jer. but it was a i think that's my first cronenberg movie too and i really enjoyed it i gave it four stars out of five um and i literally put it on letterbox i was like dude i felt like i lost my mind less watching this film compared to top gun which is a great thing 
So, not yeah, to back on top. Lose gonna... your mind more during Cornenberg. Exactly. I mean, you're the only exactly. I've ever heard say that they lost their mind to Top Gun. <laughs> I don't know. I literally what lost my mind. Dude, I felt like but my Ray was like transforming into the fly watching Top Gun and <laughs> Yeah, my my I literally felt like I, I just don't know. I don't know what the hell Top Gun was just weird, man. And especially Tom Cruise's smile. Dude, like his smile is just gross in that movie. I'm not saying Tom Cruise is gross, but like his his smiles, his smirks, dude, I just felt like I don't know. I just felt disgusting inside every time Bro, he would smile. Like you have Kevin a Tom Cruise crush just like me. Just no way. I thought the no same way. thing. Come on. Who's my, who's my man crush? You guys know me better than me. Who's my man crush? Who do I talk about more? Tom on. Uh, Hell no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Who is your man crush? It's got to be Bruce. It's Bruce Lee. Oh, uh, well, I mean, he's dead. But I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, you're, I guess you're, so. you're living man crush. Yeah, my living man crush. I don't think we maybe know this. Uh, Troy Bolton. Jason Siegel. <laughs> Oh, Zach Efron, yeah. Zach Efron is my man crush. That dude is like a meatball now from the steroids that he injected dude, into his face. Care. It's high school musical always, man. He'll always have my heart. But yeah, he's my man crush. He has a good smile. See, Tom Cruise. That's that your man crush? Tom, I didn't seem like yeah. that was your man crush. That was my suggested. Is that really that is the answer? Man. I would say so, yeah. Who else am no, I No, you like? said Jason Segel. Oh, well, Jason Segel for Siegel. like forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, but I've, I've never watched. Well, I probably have, but it's not memorable. Jason Siegel so. and Zac Efron, you do have a type. Yeah, tall, white, <laughs> <laughs> complete opposite blonde man. That is that is my type, man. That is my type. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised that Top Gun, you know, disgusted you so much. It didn't disgust me. It was just odd. It I think more I just disgusting felt than the a fly. Bit. I would say so. Yeah, the fly is phenomenal. I, the I mean, fly is fun, at man. least. It's just a fun Gold movie. Gold is great in it, and I he love is, that. Man. I think it's is like that, the what, perfect, what's that genre? Is it? It's a monster. It's a sci-fi horror, a horror monster yeah. movie, a and it is, is the golden standard. Maybe not the golden standard, but it is what a yeah, monster movie I thought, should yeah. be. I thought it, it was, was pretty, like it's got it's a sympathetic hyper. creature. You have you know actual interesting science fiction elements. Mm-hmm. It's dark. You know the the, the body is horror it? and the gore stuff is really gross, but in a very like awesome way i think and mm-hmm. is, the is story is interesting it's not the uh, it is a remake of the of an original which i haven't seen but i feel it, like i remember it being an older movie that's why when you said jeff goldblum i was surprised no the, the one that cronenberg made has kind of erased the original i feel like because mm. it's so good um yeah okay i saw there was it, a, yeah there was a remake in 50 or not remake original in 52 or something but yeah it is so far it's my second favorite cronenberg that i've seen and it's What's your first freaking awesome Video drone, baby. Nothing comes to I still have video to watch drone. that. It still is gotta watch video drone. Amazing. I watch. I love that. I watched it back to back the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. It was so awesome. I mean, yeah, yeah. The fly is cool, and it's it's very simple yet complex in in terms of, or I would say creatively, you know, it's doing a lot with such a simple premise. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think video drone is doing a lot with a very challenging crazy premise and just i don't know that i'm is assuming he has movie. a lot of depth i've too, seen a good chunk of his movies now and nothing has come close to videodrome mm. but then again everyone's different i've seen a lot of people say that they hate videodrome and they they uh. i don't understand it but you know it's not universally like that's his masterpiece to me it is but um uh, you know with cronenberg everyone's got different strokes different mm. brand strokers interesting interesting very interesting uh. 
I'm gonna have to check that out because yeah. I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. I, I've been I've been <laughs> meaning to watch it, but yeah, I mean, I know that Cronenberg is a bit uh, out there. I mean, you know, considering his, uh, I guess he's a gnarly, horny yeah. dude. Yeah. See, I I literally told you that the other day. I was like, damn, like this is like very sexual, but then it was absolutely grotesque in the next thirty minutes. Like it just moves mm-hmm. super quick. But no, yeah, I'm excited, man. Video drum, I have to check it out. Uh, did you watch anything else, Jer? I, I mean, you know, prior to... Yeah, I mean, I could just go through really just speed review a lot of the stuff okay, here man. because, you Why know, not? I'll just go through a list. Let's um, do it. I got, you know, Irreversible, which was very unrewindable. Uh, Fallen Angels, which uh, I have fallen in love with that movie. Oh, uh, yes. Paddington was okay uh paddington 2 was pretty goodington uh irma vep this is more like irma very good film uh drive my car (laughs) cry in my car (laughs) cure um cure was amazing just the cure for cinema really Uh, and (laughs) vanishing heavy spoilers in the title the conversation should really be called the conversations because there's a lot yeah, of them. Yeah. Uh, the Rosemary's Baby. It's too bad. Yeah, Polanski sucks because that yeah. movie is awesome. And uh, the Deer Hunter, uh, dude, that that fucking Russian roulette scene is just mm. one of the best all time scenes. Like, if you could, if you could just watch that one scene alone, obviously it might not stand up as well I isolated. Probably will because I haven't watched it. Oh. So. It's amazing. Fucking love that scene. Anyway, Bicycle Thieves. Can't wait for the sequel, Tricycle Thieves. Uh, <laughs> Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Um, really good if you love There Will Be Blood and you like mm-hmm. those kinds of themes. Um, and Drunken Angel was, uh, I guess that was Kurosawa and um, uh, what's his name? Mifune. His mm. their very first Toshiro Mifune is their very first collaboration, and I don't think uh, I've watched that. Damn, has to be on my list. He's definitely less of a drunken angel, more of a drunken a <laughs> hole, but uh, it's a good movie. Um, <laughs> Lolita 1997 uh, mm-hmm. was garbage, and Lolita 1962, uh, more like lull me to sleep. Uh, mm. and, uh, that's all I'm gonna. review i guess because like otherwise i just keep on going but the one i really wanted to talk about because i saw it in theaters is um fallen angels got to see that on the big screen and on the big screen huh it was always my favorite of one car wise stuff and it was at a 4.5 before now it is bumped up to a five i just is it just a rescreening or did this movie just come out it, Alamo Alamo Draft House. I saw it there, and they just kind of like they show older movies sometimes. And oh, okay, uh, okay. I drove all the way to Denver to see it, and um, it was Crazy worth it. Bastard, because it was. Oh, man, it was I awesome. Watch like it, man. I don't know. It's there's something I really like about Wong Kar Wai's style. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's you know very much like his his boy Godard. Um, I think. Like he's very, you know, it's less about what's going on in the movie and um, 
more about the feeling that you're getting watching it. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's putting the experience above anything else, above plot, above following specific chronology of events and fully understanding a character and their motivations. It's always presented in this way to evoke some deep introspective ideas within yourself. And, uh, you know, he, he usually does that like, like a dart films, like he, he'll just have narration. That's very streamlined, poetic, uh, stream of consciousness sort of deal. Like it's not, mm. it's a very poetic type of narration. And, uh, combine that with his style. I, I think the style of fallen angels is the coolest thing, like not just of one car wise, but like just one of the coolest things ever. Like he uses these insanely wide lens angles and, and or just the wide angle lens. And like, it's just ridiculously warped and kind of like out of proportion mm-hmm. in the, in a way that's really neat. Like you're, it's stretching out the image to, so that you can see your subject in one side and like see the whole rest of the background on the other side. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's like a hyper focus and I it captures like, yeah. like the background space and it's just like a warp depth of field. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. really surprised that it hasn't been ripped off more because when I first saw it, I was like, Oh man, like action movies need to be shot like this. And like, there needs yeah. to be more movies that look like this. But um, I mean, I liked the, the crime drama, the there's even some slapstick and moody romance, mm. noir part romantic comedy and family drama at points. It's uh man juggling a lot of different ideas and all of it seems to blend perfectly because the rest of the style and the structure of the movie is very loose and boundless. So it's it's anything is game really. Um but yeah, I just Seeing it live was cool. Got a lot of laughs from people. And that was um, your first time seeing it too? No, this or, is my rewatch. Was but, it a packed okay. house or no? It's pretty full, yeah. Dang. Got to see it at the Alamo. My food came out Ooh. on time and warm. Uh, I forgot what <laughs> I had. brought that shit honest. to you? They bring that shit to you, man. You write it down on a piece of paper and they oh, that's lit. get it for you. I could have ordered beer if I was drinking that day as well. But um, yeah, no, it's really cool. I mean, I... We have a theater out here where I live called Roadhouse Cinemas. That's like a wannabe wannabe Alamo, except they don't show indie films like that. They show only like what makes money, which Mm. I get it. You're a small theater trying to make a buck. But um, both times or the last two times I've been there, I've ordered food and it's come out extremely late and cold, ice cold. And I was like... I was like, order? <laughs> I was, dude, I don't even remember, man. I, I blocked it from my memory because I was so pissed. I think it might have, was it a, maybe it was nachos? I don't know. It's like, who wants cold nachos? I don't fucking know. But it was when I saw Batman and I think is maybe I saw the card counter there. Before. I don't know. But mm. Roadhouse is no Alamo. Alamo knows what they're doing. They show better films and they bring your food out on time and not cold. And, um, yeah, the, the, I saw a five banger there. Also saw the thing there too. Oh Alamo. man. I want to watch that too. It's on my list. The closest Alamo is not that close. There's one that. in LA. Yeah. There's one in yeah, it's LA. In, it's in downtown LA though, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it downtown? I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's one somewhere by Palmdale or Lancaster. Really? No. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. certain. Oh, I don't what? know that. Well, maybe, Tell maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, what about you, Rich? Did you watch anything else? 
other than that, um, I've been pretty shit at watching anything uh, lately. What did I watch? I know something that we can get into. You haven't mentioned yet. Um, What is it? The unbearable weight. Mm Hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I was gonna say that's the only thing I've seen in theaters. Um. You could kickstart that one, Jared. No, that's your movie. You got to kickstart it. I already talked about it. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Well, yeah, only because Ray hasn't seen it. I need to get better at being able to discuss a movie without, you know, touching around spoilers. But I enjoyed it. I didn't get all the references. I haven't seen, uh, what is it, Wild at Heart. Haven't seen Paris, Texas, and I haven't seen Mandy. So Paris, Texas, Uh, he's not in that. All right, well, there you go. <laughs> Whatever. I just, I'm just kind of going down the list of shit that I, you know, can't remember. And I'm sure there was other movies. I haven't seen Face Off since I was like nine when yeah. it was just on cable television. I haven't rewatched that to completely jog my memory. But other than all the references, I still enjoyed it. I definitely, I was actually talking to Ray about this last time I saw him, but I did enjoy uh the way it started rather than the way it finished i thought it kind of gave me sort of uh like james frango seth rogan the interview vibes yes that's exactly what it gave me vibes of i didn't like that vibe really that's just me personally i thought i thought it was kind of interesting the way you know it it's kind of it's you know nick cage playing himself and Mm -hmm. you know he's kind of struggling with the you know being i don't know really enjoying the work that he's getting and not you know being happy with what he is doing so i don't know uh i just i did not like the way that it started out very very realistic or not realistic i guess you would say but it started out less wacky than it ended because the ending and the way it you know tails or ties off it's just almost ends like fucking tropic thunder like mm, we, mm. a shittier a tropic movie. thunder yeah, like, shittier. a shittier tropic thunder yeah not not one that <laughs> a netflix produced actually, tropic thunder yeah. <laughs> did this I, not I give you netflix it. vibes it was definitely a fun film. bro i saw the trailer and it gave me ne- netflix vibes that's how i felt i mean can you confirm yeah. the rumors are true rich <laughs> the netflix vibes were real yes <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, even there's some CGI de-aging, which, as we all know, since the glorious Irish. Oh, yeah. That always works. Yeah, well. was, uh, <laughs> wow. So that I know what you're talking about. That's like his alter ego, right? Yeah. And like that, I didn't I don't know how I feel about that, because I guess it's supposed to be like a combination of things of characters. But like, it's well, very clearly thought, like a his vampire's kiss character. Yeah. It, it's like um, his vampire's kiss character, but he's wearing the wild at heart shirt and then he's wearing a leather jacket. It's just like, what is this? I guess it's he does an to interview. I, I just saw it today. It came up on my YouTube recommended, but he does an interview in that exact same outfit. And he's an absolute <laughs> coked out wild man. And he's exactly that alter ego. Uh, not exactly, but he's that alter ego, you know, just dialed to 100. Um, yeah. And he's it's I don't know if he's just I don't know if what he was wearing in that interview is reference to what was the movie that you're saying? Um, uh, Vampire's Kiss, yeah, Vampire's or Kiss or Wild at Heart. I mean, he's looks the outfit clothing. with the leather jacket. He's wearing the exact same outfit in this interview, and he hmm. literally comes out flipping and doing kicks for this, you know, <laughs> BBC I guess interview. It's supposed to represent like Nick Cage's his, like caginess, but not it's a his specific kind of character. Inner Wild Cage, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, but if you watch this interview, 
I, I, again, I, this is the only thing that I, I assume they, uh, you know, pulled it off from. But yeah. if there mm-hmm. is that movie, The Vampire's Kiss, then maybe it's a blend of both. But I was kind of surprised to see that, you know, yeah. it was exactly his character. Just exactly the same, all black leather jacket, you know, mm. wild at heart shirt. But, um, but yeah, other than that, I, I enjoyed the movie. A solid six out of ten, I'll give it. So it's a three. It's a three out of that's five. Fair. Right? It's a three that's out of five. If you do the too. math, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. That's a that's what I gave it as well because um, I think that's a little generous for me though. I, I think I might have liked it a little less than you, but I don't know. I don't Whoa. know. I, I enjoyed it, but I definitely was losing interest the more it went on, especially after the second half. Um, it seems uh, to appease like a lot of the like cage fan, like the on the fence cage fans. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, but not like cage fans that like you know, I don't know, really like him as, as full body of work, because the references felt very like surface level and not holding any sort of weight or endearment to them. And mm. and you know, like I don't know, like that the fact that that character wasn't a specific character; it was just a. a combination so that everybody could be like oh that's crazy nick cage and not like oh my god it's fucking sailor from wild at heart like that would have been that would have been more rewarding for it to be like an actual character but what i don't know there's just stuff like that the half-assed references where it doesn't fully go there it's like you know Mm -hmm. it's the chainsaw for mandy but what he doesn't use it like come on man you're not gonna they they do they do play into that a little bit i guess Um, he doesn't use it not he just chainsaw, but he uses another movie prop, which yeah, I, is from his other. Again, that's part of his work. But I don't know. I guess I, I see what you're saying. I understand. Yeah. So, um, was it worth it? Yeah, I'd recommend it if you want to just you know watch a pretty average yeah. movie. And, I think I'm still gonna you know, check get it out. some get some Nick Caginess out of you know your experience. Then yeah, mm-hmm. by all means, go check. That's it what out. made me watch Paddington one and two, so I can see what all the fuss <laughs> was about. Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, uh, I'm a little intrigued now too. Once I saw you logged in, I was like, oh, so there, I, like, it wasn't just being <laughs> funny for the sake part of the movie. Part two is good. Being I think serious. part one is okay. Like, it's perfectly fine as a kid's movie. I don't think it's anything revolutionary. Uh, I mean, why is that getting high ratings, but Stuart Little isn't? Like, they're very similar in my opinion, but, um, you know, it's the internet. They're going to, it's fine. The first one. Part two mm-hmm. is also really good. It's it's more in lines of like the experience I had watching Toy Story three. I would say like this is a really well done family movie. Um, so yeah, like that's how I'd compare Paddington two to is like it's a really well done family movie. It's fun. It's got some good laughs out of me. Pretty emotional. Yeah, yeah we need to start watching. I don't know. We need, if we go see a film and it's in theaters and it's new, obviously there's excuses for you know, any other movie that's not, you know, on theaters, but we should definitely try to be more on track. And this is definitely more speaking for myself, but I should try to definitely see, I don't know, all movies that we can around the same time. Like Top Gun Maverick, for example, Jer. Thanks for completely jumping the top. Thanks for hyping it up for three years (laughs) and then buying a ticket for a week later. (laughs) A week later, that's not even that long, but... But I, you're feeling I, how long it is now. Yeah, I definitely am now because all I got to hear is you fucking text and talk about it. I have not said a word. I said I've seen it and that's it. That's more than enough, bro. That's, the most I've said about it is on this podcast. That's three too many words, bro. 
Look, I thought that when I bought my, I because I let you guys know, I was like, I bought my tickets for tomorrow, thinking like that was like you guys' cue to be like, yeah, me too. And I was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Yep, we're in week what? later. We're uh, a week later, man. Yeah. Uh, can't say anything though. Can't talk about it. Don't um, even bother. Don't want to even hear. We can little. talk about it next week. We'll find a deep cut to watch for this week. But okay, before I mean, we're we're pretty much done with just what we watch for the week. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I watch I once upon a time again. But you know, you know, I watch that like every every week, basically. Let's talk about it, baby. What happened on what this fiftieth watch of? Once upon a time Once in Hollywood. It's just fun. What was times. the revelations? There's Do no tell. revelations. I've gotten to the point where I've watched this film so many times that it's all just because I really like Hollywood. That's the only reason why. Um, but it gave me the Hollywood vibes. Quentin does that well, obviously. He's really in love with the city and um, the business, too. But just a fun watch, as usual. Um, Brad Pitt, Leo, perfect individuals for the for the film. But did you no, actually it, watch it or did yeah. you just throw it on in the back? Cause sometimes... I'm pretty sure it's because I was sick or okay. I don't know what it was, but I did actually sit down and watch it and I was like watching it and I cut for maybe like the first half I had to do something. And then I rewatch, I mean, basically watch the, the second half uh, towards the end of the day. But did you get anything new out of it? No. <laughs> <laughs> There, you know, there wasn't one not. line where you were just like, "Yeah, that guy's Elvis, and he's about to get fucked up." And nothing oh, oh my god, dude, that guy who plays Elvis, then that, yeah, what's his Austin name? Butler, right? Austin yeah. Butler, dude. What's with? We're gonna come back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but what is with? There's nothing to go back. No, there is. All right. <laughs> um, There's not. But what is it with actors? saying like they did this role and now they're fucked for life like psychologically oh, I exactly oh I, I heard that man this, this guy, guy i just saw the article and i read the quotes this is the this worst guy. one yet this maybe is... maybe it's up there with with um he i don't even know his real Joker name anymore no because that guy died you know that's that dude bullshit. literally died <laughs> <laughs> no, this is up there with Jared Leto, where he's like, "Oh man, oh, like, yeah. speaking Italian all the time just takes its toll, and you start thinking about cheese and oh, I mean, pasta Jared Leto is tomatoes. Like, he takes things know. too far, man. So, I don't know. I think it might just be that more of a caricature of the articles that pissed yeah. me off. Maybe, maybe the way he said it or talked but about this it Austin Butler serious. guy. I found I'm find, I found the direct quote that he said. Go ahead. Read it out. You can lose touch with who you really are. <laughs> and I definitely had that when I finished Elvis. <laughs> Not knowing who I was. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, so he's like really fucking selling it as like he's stuck in Elvis mode after this movie. Dude. He just wants that Oscar so bad, dude. Like he wants to go up on there and say thank you very much fucking lapdog tom hanks will get you there if there's one fucking actor who's gonna get you the fucking oscar it's tom fucking hanks we've been we've been suspicious of tom hanks for years now and what is going on with that voice that accent that he's doing well me personally i don't know i know every movie's different i actually just heard from uh one of my friends that even rocket man was good but for some reason these musician biopics that kind of just get thrusted towards the front of fucking the red carpets and they're just overly advertised. And I just don't really like Bohemian Rhapsody was whatever. It's just, I'm more into documentaries. If you're going to talk about 
you know, big biopics band are the or big fucking musicians. Worst. Yeah. Because biopics just, they just fall very, very to the realm of unbelievable. And I, I this one know, looks I just, like the implosion really yeah. of the biopic <laughs> genre. Like it looks like the, the implosion. The, the bio, bio, pick machine is just it's the fucking same overloaded thing it's every just exploding it's going yeah abuses drugs and they're just i'm real low and then they just do the you know crawl back to you know what is it grace that trailer's and so bad it won't <laughs> and it's all the callbacks to the biggest hits that everybody knows and their fucking parents listen to and i don't know i don't mean to just start bashing every fucking film that's ever you know covered you know rock star or whatever because there's some movies that are okay. I don't know. Like walk the lines. Good. But again, same thing like Johnny cash, like guess what that guy fucking did abuse substance. And dude, you know what? what Walk the line gets a lot of shit. And I I mean, I think it gets a lot of shit. I think it's one of the better biopics, but it, you know, it still suffers from biopic biopic syndrome, but this one is just, it's Boz Lerman. So it's way over the top and gaudy. And it just Mm. looks gross. Like, it's so cliche. They don't like me because of how I move my legs. I'm a real <laughs> yeah. rock star. Like it's and so like when, when he hit the stage, I just knew right there. He talking was like Doctor Strange Love, <laughs> he became a star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Tom Hanks, what is he even doing in that movie? I, I, I feel like whoever this German producer guy was, I don't need to know about him. This has ruined the Elvis Elvis image for me. I thought Elvis was his story was glorious and like he just fell from the heavens like and in his white taking a shit literary yeah. fucking silky you know ethereal outfit that he always wears and this fucking Tom Hanks in a shitty German accent is like you are going to become a star <laughs> <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Oh my, my thing is kind of when you it's almost like fucking sports movies you know and there's a yeah. team that you know they just they became the best team and for fucking high school football or whatever once you've seen one you've seen them all and yeah i don't know it could i guess you could say that for just about any biopic not even just you know music. all i want to know is if the movie ends with him taking a shit on the toilet and dying there <laughs> If it doesn't end like that, oh, I'm not man. gonna go see it. It's like flush and then black screen. <laughs> That's my review of the movie. Fucking one jammed, clogged f- toilet flush out of five. It looks like it's gonna take itself pretty serious. So I don't even think we'll get like his famous like, fool's gold sandwiches or whatever. Oh mm. my god, yes. Those uh, that'd big be fun if sandwiches. they actually did that. But I does don't he know. get big in the movie? I wonder. They haven't shown that in the trailer. They better have Elvis. They that, better that have shouldn't be Elvis. embarrassing if they just kept that guy the same and for artistic purposes, you know, quote unquote, whatever. Yeah, man. I, I kind of want to hate see that more than I want to hate see Morbius. Because from what I've heard, Morbius is just boring. I like, saw a Morbius clip and it was pretty bad. It did it just, not does make it me look even want to hate bad that it's it. good? Like, oh my God, this is fun to hate? Or is it like, it, I just remember seeing the trailer for it and I almost passed out during the trailer because it was that sedating. Like I was just, whoa, that was yeah. so bland, aggressively bland. So and then everyone said that, like people are just like, yeah, it sucks because it's not fun. It's boring. Don't bother. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of the vibe I get. Like I get that it's fun to like shit on how shitty it is, but like watching it to make that point. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know. Maybe we could put that hate watch on the back of now the hate Elvis, watch though. List. 
not a deep cut and certainly not looking good, but I would hate watch that because you got Tom Hanks's goofy ass accent. You got fucking Austin Butler. Who's like stuck as Elvis for life now. So psychologically, Elvis out of his head. Like. No. Yeah. I guess he's working on a new movie and the director of that movie was like, yeah, he showed up on set and he's still fucking Elvis, man. And so- <laughs> It's like, yeah, that's that's called fucking find a new lead actor because not professional, man. Oh man, you know this actually? Did you guys stop talking like this? This actually uh, happened to um, Tarantino. He played an Elvis impersonator on an episode of The Golden Girls. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's never Mm -hmm. been the same since. Like that's why he's obsessed with Elvis. Oh my god, all of his movies. So you know. Keep warning this really it, the elvis is the new joke that's like do not curse. play elvis or you will yeah you will be haunted you're my <laughs> like of elvis. for the rest of your life dude you are elvis brother all this guy has to do is die and it'll cement his fucking <laughs> <laughs> craziness man. all you gotta do is wait for that headline to just show up and start breaking news <laughs> i'm ready for fucking what's his name I, I keep mm-hmm. wanting to say Morbius because that's who he is to me. <laughs> Jared Leto. <laughs> Jared Leto. I, I want to see him tackle like a musician. Like he, uh, he, he would be the guy Bro, to do that. He like, literally Leo is Kurt a musician. Cobain or something. Yeah, he is a musician. I mean, a, I mean a real musician. Obviously. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> he had some jams. 30 Second to Mars had some jams, man. Don't. He could sing. I think he's a proper musician. He <laughs> probably should have to music because, I, mean, I don't know, Morbius was just a horrible, horrible choice along with a lot of other, you know, poor he's choices. He's also just annoying. Made. Like, he, he's nobody likes him. Guy. Everyone shits on him. Uh, rightfully so. I mean, he, he kind of makes it a point to be annoying, I think. Uh, so it's not even fun to hate on him very much because everyone else hates on him. Yeah. Like. The Rock, Tom Holland, everyone loves them, so it's fair game. Yeah, everyone shits on him. I mean, like I'm pretty sure even, there's some Jared Leto fans out there that there, even yeah, I'm that sure there are, but Thirty Seconds to Mars fans, but they're actually fans of his work. I feel um, like they're more in the minority. I mean, he literally has a cult, like a blood oath yeah, cult. Yeah, that's so true. Clearly, those guys love him, but that's, I think what shit else like that is in? why people don't like him. He in was general. in 2049, wasn't he? I think I remember him. Oh yeah, he was. He, he's in 2049. Oh yeah. I'm trying to think about his good work stuff that I can actually say, like you know, he Jared was in Little, Rec- not a bad for guy. a dream. Um, mm. He was in American Psycho too. American yeah, Psycho, Fight Club, Fight Club. Barely, yeah, he was in Fight Club. Um, he was also in uh, fucking what's the AIDS movie with Matthew McConaughey. Um, Dallas, Dallas Buyers, Buyers Club. Club, Dallas, Dallas Buyers, Buyers Club. Club. Yeah, uh, he, he was yeah, he played okay the trans woman. Uh, he yeah, got he, a lot he, of shit for that because mm. yeah, because it's like why why not hire a real trans actor? But yeah, that's uh, true. I don't know. That that's thought, true. That's true. I guess I could see where that came from. Um, he's not a bad actor. Though. He, just, he was fine there, but I, I it's his antics kind of outside and just shit he says. I'm sure he comes off as pretentious and annoying, and yeah, seems like he's a mean guy. I don't want to be friends with a guy like that. Great guy, never met him. Um, Terrible. Before this turns into the Leto hour, (laughs) you want to talk about anything else in the news? What about the Liotta hour? Should we turn it into that? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about a real actor that deserves some love. Yeah. Mr. Ray Liotta. Yeah. Oh, man. Rest in peace. Yeah, well, starting off with our news of the evening. R.I.P. to a king, Ray Liotta. 
Wait, he's way right. fucking dead. Before we, no, wait, we, I can't interrupt Ray Liotta's hour. Never mind. I was going to talk about man. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but. Oh, man, we, we, we're we going to talk about that next week. Trust me, because I watch this damn movie like, every <laughs> fucking week. So we have that time next week. All but right, look for something new. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> but yeah, man, R.A.P. I was actually pretty fucking sad, dude. I was just like, damn. I mean, like, I know he probably, you know, he's a tough guy, whatever. And, you know, he didn't do anything like from what I knew, I guess, extraordinary to the point where he was like a humanitarian. But he gave us some classics. He gave us some joy and good fellas. That's the first thing that comes to mind, obviously. So R.I.P. to a king. Um, how old was he again? He was like 67. 12. No, he was like either 59 or 69. I'm pretty sure 69 because he's. You know, he did good. If he was 69, so, I would have remembered yeah. for obvious reasons. Okay. Well, I'm going to look this up right now. But um, 67, yeah, I was right. Uh, 67. Really seen... Oh, my God. 69. That's a fucked up thing to think about. But yeah, 67. Um, R.I.P., man. R.I.P. Sad days. Yeah, I was pretty bummed, too, when you told me we lost a good fellow. And, uh, you know, literally lost a good fellow, man. I think I the thing that kind of you know makes me a little sad about it is that his career didn't really go where it should have after goodfellas yeah um tough. he wasn't in a whole lot of notable things some things he he did a lot of good stuff like we mentioned um wild hogs and or, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no but actually i liked him a lot as like a sort of a villainous character in what i mean that's good in, uh, marriage yeah, story that's, that's the only that's the most recent thing i've seen him in which yeah, I completely cool. forgot about. But I feel like Mary's story, thought, personally, I think it's okay. But um, I thought his actual, yeah, no, he is know, good in it. Performance. He was pretty convincing as a lawyer, and at least just kind of going through the the little battle for custodies. And he was mm-hmm. threatening debates. though, as as the cop in P- Place Beyond the Pines was, there, which I love that movie, and I think he I love was that like, movie too. Yeah, he is like um, very like different. I feel like like his scary side comes out in that movie quite a bit and mm-hmm. uh, we got to see a little bit of, i think he is a kind of a threatening dude in person but in a fun scorsese-esque way and yeah but i mean goodfellas was always what he was will be known for like he was so good i think it was the role he was born for yeah he was honestly really yeah, the heart of that movie like he when you mm-hmm. talk about why that movie's so great like you have to owe a lot to him in that film and he's he's with two heavyweights he's with de niro and pesci who are, yeah. are, are incredible in the film and they're incredible in everything they do pre nine pre 2000s but i feel like it's leota that steals the show there for me and yeah like, damn. he's we narrating can- the whole thing so mm-hmm. yeah you know, all the greatest definitely- quotes you can attest to leota mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. and all the you know his performance is so good man i it's really all the greatest quotes can most you? of the greatest say, quotes but- you can say most of the greatest. Okay, quotes, yeah. I, you know what? It has been a while. I was gonna pop in the 4K this week, but I just got caught up. I think I saw and Paddington, Maverick. That was the week ago. That was before. That was pre Leota death. BD. All right. Um, BD. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I really want to rewatch it because I really got just the, the nostalgia for Goodfellas. It's a, one of my yeah, favorite man. movies ever, and. I don't know, but I got caught up in Cronenberg. I got to rewatch it. It's eating away at me. He's he's just phenomenal in that movie. Yeah, gonna miss yeah, the dude. It would be the right thing to do after. I mean, I, I should still watch it too, but it's worth watching again. 
Yeah. It's easily the most watchable film. R.I.P. That was so R.I.P. Like, that showed that he is really like that in real life a little bit. Yeah, like, I said, saw which yeah, interview? Sent that. that was that was funny, the one yeah. where he's like pointing out that this talk show host owns a frame of oh, the Goodfellas oh. poster, and he's like, "That's not my signature. I don't do frou <laughs> like that. You got ripped off." <laughs> he's just telling him out, like telling him off, like in a very fun but it's still aggressive way. Like, yeah, you know, and. He gets the axe at the end. Like it's it's great. Leoto is funny. Like I don't think many people realize that he was a funny dude, um, except for his comedy chops and wild hogs. Uh, so, with that being said, we watch wild hogs. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any other any other big news? Anybody else die? Uh, Ellis <laughs> died the week before. Um, well, then you have oh, yeah. two musicians that's, that died. But is that's that the Blade Runner uh, mm-hmm. composer? Composer, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah I mean, sad, yeah, sad week for cinema lovers. It is yeah. a bummer. It always makes me feel bad when I just you know look at an actor that you know universally loved, but have I really seen like many of his movies? Yeah, you know, I haven't seen Hannibal. I haven't seen B movie. I haven't seen. You haven't seen B movie. No, I'm lucky to that. say that I saw that on the big screen. And Leo is actually a good movie. Are you fucking absolutely not? But I did see it on the big screen. <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> now it means more to me because Leota's yeah. shittily animated character was will be in my heart forever. Hey, man, I, I, you could say that. You could was say he a that. Bee or was he a human? No, he was a human. He literally looks like Leota. It's no way. Uh, yeah. Oh my okay. god. I think I know which character you're talking about. Is it like the husband? He he's literally himself. I'm not kidding. <laughs> he's Ray he's... Liotta in the B movie. Yes. And oh, he's okay. he's talking about Ray Liotta honey. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know this so Look well. this up. What, what this the movie? hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I take your word for it. I just, you know, I don't know. You guys, Ray Liotta honey. I've never heard of your Liotta love because oh, that is yeah. one of his all time. Was he in The Sopranos? I would imagine he's in no, The Sopranos. He's in the movie, the new one that came out like he last was, he year. He was doing commercials well, for a little while too. I'm seeing I mean, that he's in The Many Saints, but I was also thinking that I know The Sopranos has like every good fellow actor that yeah. was never yeah. Pesci or De Niro. So but he, I don't yeah, know. he's not in just, it though. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was in The Iceman. I know that just because like um, my old screenwriting teacher or professor in CSUN, he he wrote the Iceman. Yeah, and then Ray Liotta's in it. Um Michael Shannon, I think. Yeah, Michael Shannon plays the Iceman. Yeah, I think he's he's the lead actor. But yeah, it's pretty star studded. Uh yeah, he's in that. I haven't watched it um well at least for years now, but it's not the most amazing film. <laughs> but yeah. I mean in other news regardless of the losses that we've taken the past couple of weeks in cinema and music. Um, there is that Ari Aster news article about A24 and his new movie, Disa- uh, Disappointment Boulevard. So we should probably talk about that. That's pretty heavy. I don't I feel think like, I've you know, I, I've is mentioned. Uh, I don't think so, no. It's like, it's it's still, yeah. Um, still pretty, I don't know if it's like early in production or anything, but 
Um, I think it's already shot and filmed. It's in post, and that's where the issue is, is because it's oh, three yeah, and a half hours yeah, yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm sorry. They is, this, to- uh, is this you know like a dispute between him and A24? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, here's the thing. It wouldn't be anything if not for the context of previous movies, but now it's like, Brief history, I'll say, is that A24 has kind of, even though they're like the saviors of indie cinema and they kind of are the ones that give the underdog a chance with, you know, wide releases and things like that, they have been known to be a little bit pushing around their directors um, Mm -hmm. in terms of like getting either taking things out of films or, you know, trimming down the cut. Uh, and it's it's really weird to me because I feel like some of the movies that A24 releases, a lot of them are very risky. And like, it's like, wow, like, I can't believe this is right. in cinemas like A24 took a huge risk with this. And it's a lot of those movies see good returns and a lot of them are hugely successful. So it's like I feel like A24 would have learned their lessons like it's OK to take risks and it's OK if not everything lands because we charge everybody fucking $60 for a T-shirt anyway. And we get our money that way. Uh, yeah. You know, on their 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 merch train is insane. So I'm assuming they they're doing pretty well. They've branded themselves well. If it's not their movies, it's their merch, and you know, they're the face of indie cinema right now. Uh, but but they they shafted DRM, the director of Under the Silver Lake, which is one of my favorite mm-hmm. A24 films, like easily top five, top ten, and somewhere in there. Love that movie. It is long. It's about three hours, but I I'm so glad that it wasn't cut down like it did feel long when I watched it, but in a good way, like I was like, what a journey that felt like I was on that journey. And I'm like, now when it's over, it's like I have so much to think about. It's a movie that's all over the place. It is very daring and weird, but Mm -hmm. um, it's so honest to the filmmaker. And so they forced him to or they rather were trying to force him to trim it down to a more acceptable length after um, con at premiered at some festival. I think it might've been con that uh, mm. people were complaining about the length and stuff. And so they were telling him like, you got to trim it down. He was like, no. And they're like, you got to trim it down. He was like, no. And then a 24 said, all right, we're going to put this in like two theaters in the whole country for like three weeks. And then we're going to put it to streaming. Basically, I mean, they, I don't think they threatened him with that, but that's what ended up happening. It was a that's way to say, fucked. like, fuck you. Yeah. And that's why no one knows about that movie. And I think yeah. that sucks because that is one of my favorites by them. And uh, same thing happened with Pleasure, which Richie just saw. Mm-hmm. There was, I mean, Richie can attest. I haven't seen it, but there's stuff in that movie that A24 was like, mm, you got to get rid of this. And the director was like, nah, that's the whole point. Just to I'll make you guys this uncomfortable. Know right now. The first shot of that film might just be my favorite shot in any film I've ever seen. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know. I just, want you, guys, to, I just want you guys to remember that. Keep that just, in mind. Right. Okay. All right. <laughs> but yeah, like that, they were having a dispute with the director about taking stuff out that was too X-rated or whatever. And mm-hmm. the director was like, no, man, it's a fucking movie about porn. Like, grow up. And yeah. A24 was like, or actually, that's when Neon stepped in, which has been increasingly more of a rival for A24. Increasingly so. I mean, they're they're releasing some good shit. And um, 
Team Neon and stuff like that. Neon is is showing up A24 a little bit because they stepped up and they were like, we'll take your movie. Uncut. Mm -hmm. Every last dick, pussy, and (laughs) we want it all. I'm kind of curious to just know what went on between them for pleasure because it is, you know, there's some stuff there. Uh, I don't know why they would. uh, Or I'm curious to just know what they want to do, how they wanted to make it there, you know. Well, I don't know either, happen? man, because like A24 is not shy about nudity. It's just weird. It seems a little arbitrary. Some of the things they are they get weird about. But now it's now it's bad because they're going after Ari Aster, who is their baby. This yeah. is their golden poster boy, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I would say you have Greta Gerwig and you have our, our, our Eggers, Robert Eggers, and you have the Safdie brothers are the big ones. And is Eggers I would say still Greta- with them or no? I mean, because well, I know that you said like the Northman was not under A24. I mean, it's not. No, under it wasn't. A24, and so. neither was Little Women. That was not an A24 oh, as well. So Gerwig okay. and um, Gerwig and Eggers have both done stuff outside of A24. And then okay. Alex Garland, he did um, Ex Machina. Now he's doing, he did Men, but he did something else, I think, outside of mm-hmm. A24. I think it was Annihilation. But as far as like directors that have only done A24 stuff that have been insanely popular, insanely iconic to the a24 brand it's ari aster and like and uh the safety brothers uncut gems was their highest grossing movie before everything everywhere all at once so dang safety brothers are very much i think they're doing something for hbo now so again oh okay the only person that's still been with a24 from the very beginning and yeah uh you know made something extremely popular is ari aster and they're fucking trying to push him around about his cut which is like you don't do that man I mean, it's already bad enough to play favorites with an with a director like that. Mm-hmm. Just, but like, you know, I get it. He makes you money, but then to actually go and be like, nah, like trim this down. I'll go see a three and a half hour cut of his next movie. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, I would too, man. Fuck that. I would. I don't care. Like, it's not because I, I want it to be three and a half hours. It's because I want to see his full cut that he yeah. intended. Yeah, you but know, then again, I, man, we did talk about his cut with Midsommar, and we that were is a good point. Impressed. I was thinking we were that not too. too impressed, brother. It's so, not like it brings it down a tremendous amount, but right, the, yeah. it, it but it does take away from certain things. The Midsummer mm-hmm. director's cut, like it, and is people it have said they preferred it. It's yeah, it is, it is longer. And it has like, like full on extra content, like extra scenes that are not in the in the original film. And I prefer the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. I know that's Same, that's kind of yeah. rare. Um, there's very you think few it might films have been because you saw the theatrical cut first, which um, perhaps. Yeah. Like if I saw the full cut and I ended up loving the movie the way I do, uh, I would have been like, oh, I don't know. I think I'd rather just watch whatever I liked, preferred mm-hmm. originally. But now seeing both and seeing the original first, like I do think that the scenes that he added, they take away from certain things They take I away agree. from the tension. Yeah. They're just not as strong and they feel a little bit out of place. They, they do break up the pacing a bit, which is a movie. And that's a movie that people already struggle with pacing wise. I, I didn't really like, I know it's long. It is deliberately paced, but it isn't a drag to me whatsoever. But, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, um, it's a good point. I mean, maybe his, maybe his cut won't be as good as a theatrical cut. It's possible. It's possible. But I don't think it's... Uh, I, I just rap- feel like it never looks good when, you know... No. There's somebody trying to, you know, I guess, interfere with the director's vision. And it, it never looks good when you hear about this. 
And especially well, when it yeah. makes, you know, uh, directors go to other distributors like Neon. Yeah. And they do look for, you know, another someone who's going to work with them and they feel like they have their back because I don't know. It's kind of got to suck. That's probably like the last thing a director needs too. with all the shit you deal with on set fucking like studio executives or distributor executives coming up to you and telling you like, actually we have some input we'd like to, you know, give you. It just, it, it seems like something nobody wants to deal with ever. I think it's the worst thing that can happen to you as a director, honestly, like in terms Absolutely, of studio yeah. interference, like Lynch, Lynch talks about his experience with Dune, like a fucking lost child. Like it's <laughs> It's like a serious thing for him. Like he's like, was he originally supposed to you know, be at the helm for that movie? He was, he did direct it, but it was a disaster because the studio forced him to cut it down and take shit out. And this most recent one. No, no, it was like from the, the original one. From the 80s, the, the oh, okay, very first okay, Dune okay. movie. That's Lynch. Um, that's mm-hmm. Lynch, yeah. He oh, wouldn't shit. want to you, he wouldn't want you to know that though. He he <laughs> hates that movie. <laughs> um he hates it and he fucking talks about it like and like people have even asked him like, "Oh, what's your advice blah 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 being a director?" and he just like immediately is like always demand final cut. Don't ever take any fucking compromises. And fans are butts. Get your final cut made. And he, you can see just like the Vietnam War flashbacks in his <laughs> eyes. Like when he says it, like he's dead ass serious. And I know a lot of yeah. the directors talk about that. And you know what? Sadly enough, I think that ju- this just happened to Robert Eggers. This with the Northman. Really? They, yeah. He um he uh just had to cut it from the studios telling him because they did test screenings. And a lot of people were like, very unhappy with it, very confused, bored. They didn't know what was going on. If they, you know, they're like, if you don't have any semblance of Viking history, like any knowledge of that, you're not going to be able to follow along. Mm -hmm. And honestly, part of me was like, when I heard that, I was like, no shit, because I'm not really a big Eggers fan. Like, I I think his work is fine. I'm not crazy about him. Uh, I think people are really obsessed with his like attention to historical accuracy and detail and things like that. All that tells me is, you read a lot about IMDb trivia and watched a lot of interviews. That doesn't make his movie better for me. So like it does, it's, it's not that he's a bad filmmaker. It's just like, none of that stuff really does anything for me. Like the witch is a good example of like, if I get that they're talking in true English dialect, but if I can't understand a fucking word they're saying, what good does that do me? <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, it's, I feel it that. It comes off a little pretentious, just is a it little like bit. Accents, or yeah, like old English, di- like accent, oh, okay. dialect, everything, you know, and and it's really, you know, he is, uh, you know, crazy about his historical accuracy. Like, and then another example of that is like in the lighthouse. Like, he researched heavily, researched shark vaginas so that he could make that giant mermaid pussy look as accurate as possible. It's like, really, am I supposed to like give him a high five for that? Like. Oh, I spent hours just researching shark pussies and just to yeah. get the right effect. It's like, I agree. I mean, that, but that's how we appreciate it a little bit. I don't know. I don't you know. Wanted to make it's a fucking mermaid, though. It's not even about vagina. shark pussies. It's like, and, and it just looked like, like a sharks, fucking vagina. But maybe not all fish have vagina. Maybe only sharks but, have, you know, I guess. But when you were watching the movie, where you're you like, recognize. now that is quite a detailed, accurate shark pussy. Or were you just like, was it like, no, it's a big <laughs> vagina? 
Well, that's what I mean. It's like fun facts. It's like these are the fun facts. Like they're fun, I guess. I don't know if made made my enjoyment of the film as I watched it better. Yeah. Um, And you know, this is that conversation you have when you try to explain to girls like over like DJ music at clubs. Like, did you know? I don't know if you guys are familiar (laughs) with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) It's just I don't know. Like, it's fine. I know it's it's sacrilege to talk shit about Eggers. It truly is. Like, I will be hanged after this podcast because I don't absolutely worship this guy. I'm on the same fucking boat with you. Like, I'm not. I think I'm into shark pussy after this. (laughs) I mean, like, I I I think that the lighthouse was great, but I just think that there was just so much more. In terms of the story and the characters, and I felt like where the movie was going, I felt like there could have been a little bit more depth put into those characters and what the message was about, kind of. Because I just felt like it was just steering in a in a way or in a, in a place that I just did not really, you know, it wasn't surprising. It wasn't like anything that like, you know, I, I feel like all that depth was put into like, you know, the historical accuracy, like you said. Um and and it does add to the film, but I think for me personally, either I mean, it just doesn't add to the depth of the film for me. You know what I mean? And I'm sure, mm-hmm. like you know, that's his that's Eggers' thing. You know, he likes that. And I'm sure there's people out there that love Eggers. Most people mm-hmm. do. And but like you know, I mean, just for me, I feel like watching Midsommar was just a better experience, and I I came out with that movie more than I came out with the lighthouse and i think you know visually i like the lighthouse more um in terms of the language and obviously the setting it was intriguing uh watching mm-hmm. the trailer um but that's as far as i would go is that i was so intrigued by the trailer that i wanted to watch this film watched it twice in a the theater second time i came out i was like what the fuck man and then like i just started thinking about it. i was like you know what there is like a point to where you can take that creativity or that insanity and he kind of took that to like 11 and it didn't feel like it was an 11 at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like, I, it almost, I didn't feel that movie was that cuckoo bananas. Like, as I thought talked. it was, I think, I think he went to that point where it was 11, where it was just not, it, I just didn't care to, to understand what the hell happened because it was almost as if like, you know, it, it wasn't surprising in some ways. I don't know if I'm like saying it correctly. But I thought it was kind of cuckoo. I thought, like you know, you were kind I, of confused. I thought it was a little, you know, jarring. It was, yeah, kind of. I get uh, that. That's the sometimes. intent. I could see the characters yeah, exactly. going it's through just these the intent. Change. Right. I can see the characters being psychologically, like you know, off the rails. But mm-hmm. in terms of my experience, I didn't feel immersed in that sense. Like I'm like, oh my god, this is making me mm-hmm. look crazy. I, there's movies that have done that for me, but. Really? You know, it, yeah, uh, I didn't feel that with this one. No, with Lighthouse, I felt I felt that underwhelmed. With, uh, to be quite honest, hereditary. by the end. <laughs> well, that's because, yeah. Like, I was well, there's one of thing: shit. if you're gonna hate on Eggers, <laughs> the next worst thing you can do is praise Aster. But I'm gonna do yeah. that anyway because Egg- I don't give a shit. Eggers, an Eggers and Aster man. are like always put up against each other for obvious reasons. They both yeah. got well. Now one has three, but for the for the most part, they both had two breakout horror films, very successful A24 horror films, and and uh you know they're two young very promising very talented horror filmmakers that are doing something new for the genre um but they're doing completely different things uh but i always found that aster's movies are way more thematically focused and exactly, uh, more yeah. they feel more personal mm-hmm. they feel more genuinely uncomfortable to me like i didn't feel uncomfortable with the lighthouse i felt you know 
I never really took it that seriously. It was fun. It was humorous. Mm, you know, the lobster okay. scene. Yeah, yeah. How Willem Dafarte, Willem Dafarte farts fucking 80 times in the movie. Like, <laughs> it's it's just... That's like that my stuff. biggest, uh, you know, thing I got. I really enjoyed the performances there. I yeah. Thought. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. Only two absolutely. people to carry the entire film. I thought it was pretty knocked out of the park there from both ends. There was nobody that was, you know dragging ass between you know pattinson and defart as jeremy put it um <laughs> but yeah i'll put those performances way way up there i mean oh, like, yeah it's basically the whole film easily. is only them too, easily but, yeah um i don't know I, I and think, even at um, the end when things really yeah i think that's really also a big reason why that movie is successful that's, because I, you, I you have a that. already beloved heavyweight like willem dafoe do a, one of his best performances and then you have robert pattinson who's like this new like everybody's heartthrob like all the indie film heads love him now. He's I having wasn't this even resurgence. crazy about him before I saw it. I thought I was, I thought he was a little good out of place. I still thought he was out of place. What? It's not that. No, I th- before well, I, think I saw it. I think you're on to something. I think he's good, but next to Defoe, he's, he kind of becomes invisible. But I don't know. Yeah, I, he's definitely, I, he just didn't seem the most convincing, I guess, in comparison. Defoe really kind of you okay. know lost himself in that performance. But even before, mm-hmm. I was still kind of not fully on board with, you know, Pattinson being mm-hmm. there next to him in that setting. Mm-hmm. But it grew on me a little bit. Like he kind of proved that he can act that shit out and, you know, deserve to be there. But I, I still didn't feel completely convinced, uh, as at least as far as, you know, Defoe did for me. So, but yeah, I think it's the just... fact that those two leads, those two leads being in that movie both popular both great really helped that film comparing it to midsummer though it's like i think ari aster made um florence Pugh's career in a big I way think so yeah i didn't because know about florence before that she was an unknown before that in, yeah she had been in other stuff but like she was basically an unknown and then after that movie she's just she's in she marvel now she sold out already up man yeah she sold out i hey, guess man, when the bag comes just care. grab it like yeah she's I one mean, of the few like, people well, i queen, forgive dude. for selling out you know <clears throat> yeah, i mean absolutely. everybody sells out but it's well deserved i'm well not gonna watch her movie but oh yeah know, neither am i good for still, her i mean like, yeah, yeah even christian bale sold out that motherfucker's in thor now that guy that guy oh, held yeah, out for he a is. long time well did he though because he came full circle i mean he was a batman he's literally already been a superhero i don't know it's oh nolan's pretty fucking cool at the time especially dc wasn't even the biggest Nowhere even close. I think that's it wasn't all they a had. part of the machine. I it wasn't, that. and yeah, they're still wasn't, not part of the machine. They weren't guaranteed blockbusters. Like, yeah, and I don't know. Maybe they kind of were. I mean, if you throw Batman on anything, like if you're the new Batman, perhaps then you know you're you're guaranteed fucking you know a huge box office. Everybody, I can't um, think of who hasn't sold out yet. So I guess uh, maybe he is. He sold out for the tough, trilogy. Yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of like true like our greatest living actors today. Who Did Joaquin has, Phoenix sell out as the Joker? Yeah, the Joker. Yeah, that's like yeah, I consider out? that a sellout for sure. As uh, he was great in it. But After it's, you know. Jared Leto like completely fumbled that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck I man! How did everyone forget about that? That's one of the biggest things. This is why I didn't want to have the Leto hour because he was so obnoxiously like annoying about how he lost his role to Joaquin Phoenix. He was like literally having a fit about. He, didn't losing the Joker lose it because he still re- well he thought know, he was yeah. which is even worse it makes him look even worse it's like dude he threw a Did fit over nothing something? yes yeah. we talked about this he threw a huge fit about like 
you can't replace me. You can't make this movie. I'll do anything to stop this movie from being made. I don't yeah. want Joaquin to be Joker. I'm the Joker, baby. And like he just lost it. And and it was fun. It was pathetic because the movie got made. It did extremely well. Got all these Oscar nominations. Joaquin won Best Actor. And it's just like. That's how it works. Does anybody good think, enough? Your Joker was terrible. Does anybody other than Jared Leto think that he might be a better actor than Joaquin Phoenix? Oh, he's no. two different characters too. Like, how can he you get does. upset with that? Like, it, it's he's a two different leader Jokers. Too, so, <clears throat> like, I don't that, understand. His Joker, yeah, and his Joker is a part of a extended. It was universe. an ego yeah. thing. It was you about. Were, it was an ego thing, man. Because yeah. he was supposed to get his own Joker movie, and then uh, the studios rightfully were like, "Holy shit!" Suicide Squad was hot garbage and you were not the best part of it at all. I don't think there is a best part of that movie, but Jerry was the really fucking core of man in that dog shit movie. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so that rightfully so DC going up against MCU, Disney's big mammoth machine. They're like, we got to start making moves here and we're going to get Joaquin to do this. And he was the best part of that Joker movie. And Leto, wasn't having it. He didn't even know anything about the film other than that. He wasn't going to be Joker. And the, you know, that's the worst part. It just showed that how fragile his ego was. It showed how like, yeah, I'm not going to possess if he was over that role. What's up? He's like the white Kanye basically of film where he thinks he's a God. He has his own cult. And then yeah. he thinks he owns like the title of the Joker. But in reality, some people may argue that it's Heath Ledger or Joaquin. But that's up to for debate, and we're not going to get Jack into that. Jack Nicholson, because... the boomers love Jack Nicholson. Oh, well, I, I don't know. I mean, Heath took it to another level. I'm, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say he's the best one because my favorite one is you guys know. But I'm not going to say it on the podcast because then I might get dragged. Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, I'm just surprised that even Jared Leto. I don't know. Maybe if that guy acknowledged, like, yeah, my performance was pretty shit. Then if he had like a little bit of humility, then I'd hand it to him. And dude, and every, like, that's what like, every whatever. fucking adult actor does. You think fucking Christian Bale would throw a tantrum because Robert Pattinson's becoming or a new ben Batman? Affleck. <laughs> ben Affleck, yeah, Ben Affleck, man. I oh, might get shit for this, but I'll defend Ben Affleck's Batman. Like that guy. That's your favorite really? Batman, isn't he? Yeah, my what? favorite Batman. Yes, it is. No, it's just not. Say it. He said, it "Yes, it is." Didn't even give him enough shafted Batman because you know I think Ben Affleck also has you know that guy actually want you know he talked about when he got the role he wanted to make his own Batman script and he was going to direct and write this movie and I don't know for the guy to just fully be on board with it and show that he's appreciative enough to fucking write this movie and want to direct it even though he backed out of directing it he knew that it was like a lot it's kind of like the Tom Cruise-ness where you're just like you know what this guy's given a lot of effort. And I'm looking around the room and I don't see anybody else giving this much effort. I respect that. So I'll I respect that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I will always just be like, you know what? This guy at least is trying to take a shit. You know, mm-hmm. Edward Norton did the same people. thing for the Hulk. He wanted to show up on set and rewrite the script. Yeah. But again, that oh guy was Disney. So there you go. Like that guy went against the wrong fucking studio. Like that guy. That guy's the whole better. career ended because of that. Like, because he was trying to shove his guy on the set. Like, I don't know. That guy's talking about the mythos of the Hulk and how, like, it's not just like, you know, a guy get angry and smash. Like, 
That yeah. guy actually he saw the bullshit to... before everyone else. Now, the only reason yeah. I don't have his full back is I don't know how much of an asshole he really is in person. Like I've heard Who that cares? he can be I'm talking about pretty... this guy's work. I don't know. And if this guy is an asshole, like you're talking about just actually. Let's just assume all actors are assholes. That's a fame, fair assumption. Yeah, that's and, fair. Right. And so. Ben Affleck's probably an asshole. Who knows? Like, but. You know, if this guy's actually taking work and he's like, you know what, I see a job and I want to do a good job. I don't want to just cash it in. I don't know. But he Maybe left that, it, man. He left yeah, it. And he did it. Well, Edward Norton time. was yeah. tossed out of the bar. Mark so Ruffalo, happens, like, literally man. just, you know, got up and was like, I'll take that check. And we all know how great Mark, Mark Ruffalo is. is. So <laughs> there you go. Not great. No, Not man. great. I like Mark Ruffalo, uh, though. I mean,. Other, I like him as an actor, but he's yeah, not my not favorite. Yeah. But if there was ever, yeah. you know, a, an example of phoning it in for the money, not even just, you know, just for the sake of phoning it in, but just phoning that, that it's that like, I don't know. It's just the whole yeah. is you know, terrible compared to what, like what Norton brought. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Well, that's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, Eggers, you know, now he, Back, coming back to that, he's like talking about how he has to re-strategize his, you know, pitching process with movies because Northman was his biggest film that he's done so far, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of scale and money. It's a huge budget. He had, that's why he had to leave A24 to make it. And mm-hmm. yeah, and then this he gets studio-fied. I've seen it and it is, uh, you know, I liked it a lot. It's just. It's Man, something keeping tough. it it's something keeping it from being great like it always kind of, it always kind of falls back to me to being like it's good it's a good movie it doesn't quite reach the highs that it could have it feels like i don't know maybe i would have preferred the eggers cut maybe i wouldn't have maybe it would have been like his other films that have kind of left me feeling like this guy just made a fucking mad libs and turned it into a script yeah but um you know i i I'll never know. We'll never know unless there's a Nagger's cut. I'd like to see it. But the thing is, most people enjoy the Northman because it's perfectly yeah, like a serviceable as an action revenge movie. It's literally the story of Hamlet because it's based on the original folk legend that Hamlet is based on called Amleth. And um, it's it's a story you've all seen before. There is like a kind of a sort of a twist that puts it on his head for a second. It doesn't fully commit to that as much as I'd like it to. But for the most part, it is a story we've all seen. It's very straightforward. I think visually and performance wise, it's good. It's good across the board, but that's what makes me feel kind of sad about it. Cause it's like, maybe it could have been better. Maybe it doesn't mm-hmm. feel very daring for a director like Eggers who really pushes the envelope for better or worse. So it works for some people. It doesn't always work for me, but it could have been, a more memorable film. But yeah. We'll never know. And that's why I'm like scared about this disappointment Boulevard. Cause I don't want it to be a disappointment Boulevard. <laughs> I want it to be, you know, pretty good at Boulevard. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I don't think that, well, that that's the, that's the difference between like a big studio where like he was with, you know, um, with the Northman and Eggers, but compared to a 24, obviously I think they made the right decision with Midsommar. So maybe they're making the right decision here. Um, obviously, I'm not in the ba- I'm not like backing up the fact that, you know, A24 is not it, they have this history of kind of, you know, taking away the freedom. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm not saying maybe all of their decisions are bad. Um, I, for one, obviously, I'd rather have to, you know, I'd rather see the full uh, director's cut. 
Um, that's just me because that's the vision that these people had. And, you know, as a filmmaker, you would want to see your um, entire vision come to life mm-hmm. on the big screen. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's depending on A24 and um, the direction that they take it in. Um, I'm not like broken hearted about it personally, uh, considering, you know, the past. Are you uh, disappointed? Yeah. But I know that we'll get a director's cut regardless if we're going to get the same treatment as Midsommar. So. It doesn't um, have a release date yet, but it just says it's coming out this year. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm looking it up. It'll right come now. out. Yeah. Yeah. And Joaquin Phoenix, I'm, I'm just excited to see him. I mean, I didn't see Come On, Come On. I'll be, I'll be honest. I love Joaquin. And I heard it's not that great either. So, I mean, I didn't see it either. Heard but very that's thing, why. But it, it also looks like a movie where I know exactly what it is. Mm. Like it, it might be like a tearjerker emotional movie, but it also like I, I can kind of almost predict exactly the kind of movie it is. And I'm like, do I want to watch that? Wait, right. Really? Did, you, did you see did you see the many saints in New York? No, because I, no. I didn't finish the Sopranos yet. But oh, OK, um, yeah. Has, has, I, has, I, the, I, has this Michael Gandolfini guy been in anything else? Uh, that's his son. That? Uh, that's his I son, think that yeah. Was, yeah, I think that might be his first role, actually. Yeah, yeah it's like the Philip, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman treatment where like his son played. He like a... if he's you know, gotten any praise for any, any other work or if mm, he got praise so. for that you know, yeah. movie. But... I mean, he didn't even look good on the trailer, and I'm not going to like even beat around the bush with that. Uh, <laughs> Is it like a Cooper Hoffman type deal where he <laughs> yeah, like, but a breakout Cooper role? Was better. Yeah. yeah, I think so, but Cooper... <laughs> I mean, Cooper was great in the Grish Pizza, so and even Alana, so she was great too. Um, considering that's like their first major roles, but Michael, his son, just—I don't know. I just saw the trailer. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Do you think shit? he like, even had to audition? Probably not. <laughs> I, I mean, it's he probably like to... a tribute to his father, just like the same thing with Grish Pizza, you know. So like the Hoffman treatment. Um, they still have audition right. though. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, I didn't we know don't that. Know the, but, the full story, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but still, I, I don't know. Um, Say into the camera, "Where's the fucking uh, gabagool?" And then you're not here. You got the that's job. the only sign. I mean, that's the only thing you gotta say. <laughs> say it right. It's fugazi. Say it like you your father. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I still have to finish The Sopranos, man. So, yeah. yeah I started same. Stranger Things, dude. And honestly, I know we shit on normal shows it's a good normal show i he watched me the, the first season i think i watched the cinema. second season too but it's not high television nothing really nothing no, really brought me not back Sopranos. i've heard it's good i've heard it's fun it's, i just like the 80s vibe too it brings it's just it makes it feel better and i think that's the only thing that was redeemable about top gun personally so like i just like 80 shit back to the future but um, the thing about Rich. top gun is like it's an actual 80s film whereas this one right, it's is not 80s kind of trying to be right, remember right. ghostbusters Remember, it is it is 80s and or, or, yeah you're talking about top gun but yeah stranger no, things I'm talking about stranger 80s. things is like yeah it's always like remember this yeah 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 remember and, this uh, they pull a lot from just like i get that it's and, in the 80s but yeah yeah um, i think it I mean, does it well it I think sounds it's fun. sounds fun i mean yeah, i watched only the first season and um i did actually watch the second and forgot everything about it yeah i only <laughs> uh, remember the first because <laughs> i do i do like the first season i remember thinking like the 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 alphabet with the christmas lights on the wall is such a I cool, that was like, cool yeah iconic like visual mm-hmm. that you know it never felt like a show that needed a part two but it was so it was too big for its own good and now it's what we're on four seasons and 
Yeah. Um, it's I think it, it's going to be a you fifth know, one too. I had no clue this show was still going. I thought the third season happened and it's because there's I a three year knew. gap between this and the last season. And yeah. Now they all look orange and they're supposed to be 14. They all got happy trails and shit. And we're just like supposed to believe that. I like, like the back. They're like, they're like 18. Yeah. I mean, as long as, it, as they're still in maybe end of high school, it still works. I mean, cause they're I don't think the they first old as fuck. I personally, I don't know. I haven't seen like the. I, yeah, I haven't actually looked at, it, but, but they're I only eighteen, like in this real is life. What most people are saying. So watch I mean, it's season not like... one, and then if it's supposed to be like a two-year span, then I think that's pretty unbelievable. I think the, the well, the they're in middle school now. They look like all because there's always like the older. They're group still the in kids. middle school. No, I'm saying like they were in middle school in the first. Mo- I mean, the first uh, season. So I'm assuming if how it's many like years three- have passed within the show. I have no clue. I'm only in the first season. Yeah, <laughs> but so I mean, if they grew up, started, we were watching the fucking newest one. No, he said he just started no. watching oh, the first oh season. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm so <laughs> lost because everybody's watching the newest one. Yeah. If I were talking about that, because yeah, oh, no. Stranger Things season one is like fucking. It feels like forever ago. Now, right, mm-hmm. was just going on about what he just watched. Oh yeah, I mean, what uh, episode? You just started like the first episode, and now you no, I'm in like, the oh, fifth like, episode or like the sixth. So I'm like almost done the. The, the first season basically i kind of forgot most about what the fuck happens in, even in the first season i know that the i don't mind the on. kid basically fucking yeah disappears yeah, and that's like yeah, the, the entire kid disappears and that's the, yeah. the second season i couldn't tell you um couldn't tell you what, what goes on there oh man i almost spoiled stuff for ray man i didn't know i thought you were watching the newest one i didn't i thought you had seen stranger things before season no. one is good yeah uh, you can tell me if it gets better declines or whatever as yeah. it goes on but i, mean, I like season one i just uh i i always and that was when i was like oh man like that was a cool mini series like they don't need to make any more mm, of this. I and see. then they kept it going was huge and I, at the time yeah it was it was really big i see i see oh uh, yeah it's netflix's baby though it's their it's their, it I wouldn't say it's their best show but it is their biggest show for sure and yeah uh, it's like a part of pop culture now. I mean, it's just cemented yeah, in that shit forever. That, that show. It's part of Halloween now. Like It's part yeah, of Halloween. Yeah, it's like a Halloween thing, yeah. It's so brandable, merchandisable. It's Netflix's mm-hmm. like M- MCU, basically, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's like got crazy Funko Pop mat- potential. It's a got, lot, yeah. <laughs> it's just got everything going for it, man. Yeah. It, uh, but not for me. Oh, season one was good okay, um, i'm gonna keep watching let me know let me know uh yeah, yeah i want to the only thing i want to see from netflix is when they bring back mine hunter oh that uh, is what norm I want. hunter or sorry what norm hunter norm mcdonald's <laughs> norm, norm hunter uh norm hunter i hope it's that's the name of the special everybody um but <laughs> that's the only thing i'm actually looking forward to i might Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the Norm McDonald. I did out. see that mm-hmm. that came out. Ah, man, mm-hmm. I'm going to be sad watching that. Man, it's it going to hit sad. like a ton of bricks. The last post mortem. Yeah, I've heard that he's just like recording it in his house with this dog interrupting, and I'm just like, I have to think like what? that dog oh, man. is his norm. Uh, it's going to be sad. It's going to be yeah. sad. But hopefully, he's they, like, they, you know, he can cheer me up and, yeah. you know, make me laugh like he always does. Are they, are they talking about, there's, uh, is anybody talking about bringing back Mindhunter or? Uh, Center's last update is that Netflix uh, doesn't want to give him money. I mean, it kind of sounds like it's a bit of both that they're not as interested. Like he knows that it takes a lot of money to make that show. And, and Netflix is a little bit like, 
about it. And mm. he's like, I don't want to deal with that like whole battle of finances and getting it made. It's a pain. It's a really hard show to make, which I get it because it is the best Netflix show in my opinion. Like it, you have David Fincher directing, you know, he's like the, the only real director making like original, original series on there. I mean, you could, I, if you know of any other one that I'm not thinking of, you can call me out on and embarrass me with like, I, there could be, but I think other Netflix is definitely my favorite and he's, Mm -hmm. he's my favorite that's done stuff with Netflix and it's basically Zodiac's always been my favorite of his. And that show is essentially like Zodiac extrapolated into a series. So, yeah. Now, what if they made a social network show, Ray, would you watch it? Probably not. No, they probably just ruined my life. Even directed by Fincher? what else are they going to talk about like that that was a masterpiece it's like <laughs> one of those things it's like that, one of those... that's already outdated like facebook yeah, has come that's... we got head we got oculus world now we got fucking whatever the metaverse like all know, the man. shit has happened to zuckerberg since then he's even talked about making a sequel to cover like the last you know decade or so of facebook history because it's gotten a lot crazier they've interested Fincher did say something like that. Like, Whoa. I don't know, if, maybe not. I, don't quote me on that, but it's been talked about. I think he just oh. played with the idea in passing. I don't really know the. Okay. Wait, David like, Fincher directed the Social Network? Am I fucking stupid? This yeah. is crazy. I'm not gonna say the answer to that because they already <laughs> said it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I wasn't listening right there, but I'm I'm genuinely surprised. I never knew this. It is my I favorite just, one, but I don't think it's his best one. I think his best for me is still Fight Club. But then I, I just knew seen it was it. always like an Aaron Sorkin script. So yeah, that's that's the only thing I ever really cared about. Not that um, that's yeah, just beautiful too, man. It's like a I don't know. I always praise that. I'm just like, dude, that script is insane. Like if I could write like a like a perfect script, I would say it's the social network. I wouldn't lie. Like it's just it's that good. But then Fuck again, I've watched works. that like over like fifty times, like Once Upon a Time as well. So it's one of those movies. Um, it's definitely very five Sorkin. rotation. It's got the Sorkinisms. <laughs> I like Sorkin stuff, but uh, it's a little bit like I can almost. You can show me something and I'm like, I can call out that's written by Sorkin because yeah. it's such a distinctive, like, <laughs> very witty. It sounds like, it sounds like somebody like talking on a bunch of Adderall, like very quickly. Very, like, <laughs> nobody would be this witty in person. Like, yeah. Find yeah. the perfect thing to say. It makes for an entertaining movie, but like, it's a little bit like. It's, it, it can feel played out, especially when you've yeah. heard yeah, other, you know, scenes. It's, it definitely makes for him. good cinema, but it's, I sometimes. Because he, when he does other stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, Sorkin is Sorkin it up over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. not a good director from what I've seen. He's a good writer. So he's just stick to writing. writing. Yeah. He's, he's, he won an Oscar before Fincher. Fincher's still never taken home an Oscar. Not that that means anything, but it's certainly absurd. And it's like that because, you know, he's made so many great films over the years. Mm-hmm. And Sorkin had taken home an Oscar for Fincher's movie. He wrote, what did he, he get the Oscar, Oscar for? Was it was it Jobs? No, Jobs is a good movie though. I think it was for Jobs Social Network. Was it not? Um, I don't know what it was for. Look this up. Aaron Sorkin Oscar. I'm gonna watch Jobs now. Or Steve, Steve Jobs. Jobs. <laughs> he won. Yeah, yeah it was the Jobs social, is terrible. It was so, the yeah. Social Network. He won Best Adapted Screenplay. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Famous Social Network is 2010. That's bonkers. 12 yeah, that's years, cool. man. Damn. It's been that long. 
But yeah. Hell of a movie. Um, you love that movie too much. I'm going to say it. It's just the script is too it. good. And I think like the David Fincher, like flair just adds to it. Um, the music, the way hey, it's at least shot. Tarantino's on your side. Uh, oh, yeah, that's it's right, dude. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Years. Yeah, yeah. Definitely wouldn't be in my top 10, but, you know. That's you hard. His... Yeah, 10 years, though. I mean, I would have to make a list. I don't even know if it would be in my top 10, but, you know, it's just like one of those rewatchable things. The last 10 things. years of, of the 2010s? I think it Yeah, be. I don't know. I would, no I would have to think about be. it. Based on how you talk about that movie, there's no way. I don't so know. It's the Once best written it. screenplay of all time. Oh, <laughs> it's one of the best. It's my favorite screenplay I've ever read. And it's not going to be in your top 10 of the 2010s? There's no way. Even if it ends up being number ten, which is too high, it there's no way. It could be number ten. But we I gotta do that. We gotta do our top ten movies of the 2010s. Eventually, I'm trying to think yeah, about my yeah. top. I mean, that's hard, man. Yeah, 2010. Like, you would have we'll, to. Like, really... Let's do that next week. Let's come yeah, up with the list, and uh, we'll talk about the top ten movies of 2010 and see how Social Network ends up being raised number one. Even though he wasn't sure. <laughs> Once Upon a Time is already a better film. Once he than, really, you know, lays than, it all uh, down and sorts through all the social movies. network for me. I don't know, maybe even Tarantino would disagree with you there because he loves the social he network. Probably would, but I've never care. heard of him praising <laughs> this movie so much. Uh, uh, I was like, really, dude? I don't know. I'm I not. A, it, it's iconic in its own ways. There's some really, I don't know, everything about that movie. It's it's all, it's really well cast for what the script is. Especially fucking Eisenberg, that fucking hell of a Zuckerberg. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. Having actually seen how Mark Zuckerberg is in real life, I just kind of don't feel like that for it to be. I don't know. This is technically a biopic, right? Like it's recounting the events that happened. I suppose, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's tough to just one hundred percent factual. Apparently, yeah, it's tough to picture <laughs> Zuckerberg, you know, fully being that. I don't know. Strange to me, doesn't doesn't always fit. I guess if you I think, just leave it alone, I think and just uh, take the movie for what it is. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Eisenberg is perfect casting. Really? Perfect. I yeah. think so. Maybe not looks wise, but in terms of how he like talks and fast, it's like he's just awkward little kind of like smart ass. I think he gets. I mean, maybe not modern Zuckerberg what we're used to, but like this little cocky bastard. Yeah. Just, uh, growing up, like like perfect. turning into the villain. I think it's a good little origin story. Mm-hmm. Of Zuck, of the Zuck. <laughs> the uh, Zuck. I feel like they made him look like a villain, even in the end of the movie. Um, I mean, he's not. They don't really. Just, they don't really. But now, with the context of who he is now, I think he definitely is like a questionable like figure. Well, no. Kind of actually. He's Lex Luthor now. <laughs> that's what. Hey, that's what Snyder saw in casting him as Lex Luthor. Oh yeah, that's so true. The red capes are coming. <laughs> the red capes are coming. Are coming. <laughs> i don't know i just never really was on board with him being zuckerberg i honestly i get like the awkward quirkiness about him but i feel like jesse eisenberg has played that before in other films well and i don't think he has much range exactly which is my point i don't think that really i don't think he changed himself or his, his typecast, whatever you want to call it, too much just to play Zuckerberg. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, I understand Zuckerberg's not an idiot. Like, and I understand that, you know, he's probably clever in like responses, but Jesse Eisenberg, just Jesse Eisenberg all over that fucking film. And Jesse Eisenberg I, and Sorkin I'm, I'm is a seen... dangerous combination because like, he talks so fast <laughs> and like 
Sorkin's writing is meant to be like spoken, like very quippy and fast. Yeah. Like, I've invented Facebook. Check your calculations <laughs> on that. Yep. I got the same numbers. You're not a part of Facebook. You're not a part of Facebook. Well, that's actually Justin Timberlake's line, but whatever. Oh my god! But I don't. Again, (laughs) my my thing is he just wasn't. He wasn't Zuckerberg to me. I not not as much as he was Jesse Eisenberg. So there you go. Yeah, take that for what you will. Um, uh, Yeah, yeah. He he was kind of the villain, I guess. The way it ends, the way he kind of fucks over his best friend. So. I, I guess, he, yeah. I mean, he, he he's like, like an anti, guy, you know, yeah. you know I guess anti hero. Yeah. There are Somewhere. definitely people who watch that movie and see him as the hero. We just sure. called Mark Zuckerberg an anti hero. He's that's human, weird. I think. That's like what the ending of the film is trying to say. He's just, you know, a guy trying to be a part of this, I mean, society, I guess, in some way, like our social structure, how it's built. He just wants to be a part of that. The or, sequel or has to end with him doing that, like, one video, like, Facebook just got in these new filters. Check this one out. It's my favorite one yet. <laughs> you know that one, that video yeah. of him? He looks like a fucking alien. That's how the sequel's <laughs> got to end, like in a much darker note. What would the sequel even be? Just how Facebook it would be how he like does the, the <laughs> it would be how he does the like VR touring through a war torn country. Oh yeah, from the safe space of his mega layer and in like, san francisco like, check out yeah dude, no it wasn't san francisco wasn't it like some other country that was like devastated by a no, storm i'm saying like he's in san francisco, like, yeah. san francisco yeah. offices yeah, just like literally like, war around country. With avatar. yeah dude, i'm not cheating you dude he's vr touring this like like fucking haiti after the earthquake or tsunami yeah. or whatever it was like a tsunami or something. i don't know what yeah. it was hurricane like, i don't know check this out I can be in Haiti after an earthquake. Look at all these looters and look at this like people that are homeless. Like I'm just from the safety of my home. Yeah. It's and he's just bizarre, like, dystopian. Tragic. And then he's just like, let's check it out over this side. I was like, whoa, dude, like you're not even human, brother. Like he, not in a loop on this one. <laughs> There's no like tonal like yeah. self-awareness whatsoever. He's like actually giddy about the tech. He's like, I mean, yeah, I guess. Can't That's wait to do this about in a disaster shit. near you. <laughs> I'm just going to walk through your neighborhood from with my avatar and not be in harm's way. It's fucked, dude. That's what I'm talking about. Fincher needs to make a part two. That's a lot darker. That would just um, be weird. I don't know if that would work. Dude, Sorkin can do it. Sorkin can do it, man. At that it's point. Too late. It's too late. He already fucking cast Eisenberg as Zuckerberg when he was meant to play fucking bald-headed Lex Luthor. <laughs> like, yeah. What's his name? Uh, what's the guy who owns Amazon? I can't fucking remember oh, his name. Uh, That's also real Bezos. life. Bezos. Bezos. Yeah, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Jeff Money Bezos. Bezos. Um, yeah. Crazy. That guy's the real Lex Luthor. That guy, that guy is, is actually Lex Luthor. Luthor. He's buff. He has all the money in the world. That guy's Probably. not buff. And he, he, dude, said yeah. this guy's buff. <laughs> he is buff. Are you kidding me? What? That guy's... Yeah, he's huge. That guy he is lo- like he jacked. looks like he used the fucking Green Goblin serum to basically. Get yeah, he looks <laughs> like that. I never heard of this, <laughs> dude. Look him up, Jeff. You Bezos would think he's like a lady, dude, bro, but like bro. he's ripped. But like he just stepped into like a fucking bio chamber and just, just like some green gas stuff. just gave him muscles. That's oh, dude, yeah. There's, some, there's a picture. <laughs> it's like that's not fucking Bezos. This, yeah, is this guy's like five feet tall, isn't he? This is like another case of what the fuck's that other guy's Napoleon name? Napoleon complex. Napoleon, the fucking guy who thinks he's a Navy SEAL. 
that Oof. also has a beard and he paid like a shit ton of money to be in Lone Survivor. What's this guy's oh, fucking know. name? Dan Bilzerian. Uh, D- Wait, Dan Bilzerian is in Lone Survivor? He's in, bro, this guy paid like obscene amounts of money because he has obscene amounts of money, but he paid to be I in know, Lone Survivor but... for like a second. Oh, okay. Like, he, I he thought he was part of the like, main cast of that movie. No, he like he's <laughs> literally a clip, like a two second clip. It's just Dan Bilzerian sitting there. No lines, no anything, no face gestures, no fucking farting or anything. It's just him breathing. Like that's it. I'd say it's well worth it because I didn't even know he was in the movie. Um <laughs> Yeah, good for him. Glad he got that. I'm sure he points that out every time he watches it with his like dozens of models that he pays to pretend to like him in his fucking hotel that he only rented out that he claims is his mansion. Uh, Because that's like his life. He like he he has a lot of money, but like he pays for the image to that he is like a Jeff Bezos type, and Mm. just like look at all these beautiful women. They all want to be with me. It's like, dude, you got them off Craigslist. Like (laughs) it's so obvious they don't. They're just standing there, like posing. They're not interacting with you. They're all in a hot tub with him, but it's like it's weird. He's um, he basically wants to be like Jared Leto, like because those people actually worship him. Jared Leto has a cult. Dambles pays for his cult. This guy, <laughs> any anybody who's five seven can get this buff. All you got to do is just have all the money in the world and spend basically your entire free time working out and give it like six weeks. You'll be buff. There's not a lot of, you know, mass. <laughs> I got to get on that Bezos out. plan then. Yeah, bro. All you got to do is be five, seven, bro. You think you can do give that? that, you can that five inches off the top? Gas, baby. I'm trying to be like that. I'm trying to get in the Bezos fit. All right, guys, that'll do it for this week. Once again, my name is Ray. And my name is Jeremy. And my name's Richard. Thanks for listening. Catch you later. Come a diet.